Hello and welcome back to episode 19 of Less Than 10 Podcast. I'm Farrell, and we've got a really awesome show tonight packed with uh, well-known guests. Uh, but first, uh, I'll introduce my co-host, Bloodrun. Say hi, Blood. Yo, guys, what's up? Uh, Farrell came back from moving and was not happy with my dictatorship. I've been demoted. I'm now second in charge again, unfortunately. That's that's not how dictatorships work, I'm just saying. <laughs> But anyway, we'll get in. Uh, we'll just introduce our guests one at a time, guys. And uh, as I introduce you, just give uh, the audience a brief, uh, like, who's who uh, of, of your history and Eve. So uh, our first guest is Casper24. Hey, um, I'm kind of a newcomer compared to some people here to the AT scene. My first one was AT10 uh, with the verge of collapse. They actually won that one, if I remember right. But I was just kind of a practice dummy to get shot at and didn't really know anything. And then from there, I jumped on the Hydra boat and got second uh, three times, I think. We got first once for 29 days, and then Elise and PL uh, decided they wanted our ships more than us. And nice. then I uh, did a stint actually in PL. We actually did really good, got second, and then we DC'd in the finals, so lost that one too. And then my last one was also with PL, where we didn't uh, do the best. Good and that's smart. about it. Yeah. And as you guys uh, can tell, we are talking about AT today. So that's Casper. And next, he mentioned a gentleman by the name of Elise. So Elise Randolph, uh, give the, the listeners a little intro about you. Hey, uh, I'm Elise Randolph. I've uh, been playing the game since like 2000 and, uh, 2004, but I took like a year off somewhere in there. Um, uh, I'm probably most well known for, depending on like when you started playing, I was an FC in PL and for a while I ran PL, um, in the Alliance tournament, like I'm a huge, huge fan. I worked with, uh, you know, Eve NT to, to put on the production for the last few Alliance tournaments. Uh, I think I've casted more Alliance tournament matches than anyone else, which, uh, includes CCB Fozzie, but though he's pretty close. Uh, my first Alliance Hornet was Alliance Hornet 6, where I kind of got to play as just like a little goober. Uh, and the time I, like the first time I ever got to play was on Alliance Hornet 7. Then I was like a co captain for Alliance Hornet 10 and 11. Uh, and then after that, I was just like, yeah, this is too hard. People are too good. So I'll just be a caster. And a uh, really, really huge fan of uh, the competitive Eve scene, though. Nice. And our last guest tonight is Wild Things. Uh, likewise with you, Wild, give them a, a brief intro. Hey, I'm Wild Things. Uh, I'm a frigate pilot on TQ. Uh, but in AT, I started in AT13 with Warlords of the Deep or Hydra, uh, migrated to Exodus and then to Furnace slash Thermodynamics slash Barcode for the last two. Uh, so a bit more of a newcomer, uh, kind of younger in the scene, but uh, I've been flying frigates a ton in, in competitive format. Uh, and most recently with uh, Barcode. Nice. So yeah, we basically put this panel together um, and we're going to have a very biased pro AT discussion about competitive gameplay in EVE, Alliance Tournament, uh, some of the history, 
so the hopes is that you know uh, this episode will will be good for anyone who was around for ATs, who saw them, who enjoyed them, um, and also anyone who who joined Eve after AT kind of wrapped up, maybe caught a bit of the player run competitive gameplay, or maybe they're even new to it and they just want to hear some of the stories. But first. Why don't we just uh, kind of get some formalities out of the way and let's just talk to uh, talk about what we've been up to in game. Um, I'll go last. I've been talking a lot. You guys, you guys can go first. Blood, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go first. Mine's pretty simple. I was having connectivity issues pretty bad for the last while. Um, I know, like uh, there was general DDoS going on, but even after that seemed to stabilize, I was still not connecting very well. So um, I haven't been up to much. Um, I'm logging in right now and and running around watching Boss Sausage take on 300 members of goons in PFTAC. So that's pretty fun. Uh, and yeah, but that's that's all I've been up to. I've also been having like some connectivity issues. Like, I think it's just like the East Coast US. Like it just seems so uh, so oddly scattered too. But um, before that, I was uh, trying to do some like low sec and uh, small gang stuff. I'm mostly solo. It's like me and like two alts uh, running around like a jerk. Uh, after the uh, like the patch that buffed heavy missiles a, a little bit, I was flying around with a Drake, uh, and then my alt and a Falcon, and the other alt and a Basilisk, and just baiting people on those little Dragonar sites. And then I just got into farming the <laughs> farming those stupid uh, sites, and I grinded. I must have grinded like a few hundred of those because I wanted uh, I wanted the shield slaves, and I was like too stubborn to buy them myself. So I was like, no, I gotta grind them myself. So I just like mindlessly ran those sites over and over and over again uh and like brawled people out of those sites Did so you get I, the yeah. set? oh i got the set dude you know i got a high grade set a mid grade set and a low grade set i got one of each i sold uh i sold the high grade set to some uh test pilot for like 30 bill not quite 30 bill, like 20 something bill because uh apparently the drop rates for the omegas were super super low I got really lucky on like the first couple days and I was like, oh, this is easy. I'll just get another one. So I'm sitting with like, currently I've got a new uh, high grade set without the Omega uh, and then just a flat mid grade set. Yeah. So I've just been fiending over those like, like an absolute moron. For your shield super or what? <laughs> I just want to fly like, I just, wanna, I just want to fly like a, just this yoked up worm in, in low sec for faction warfare plexes. Just so I don't have to be good, I can just have more HP than everyone else. 400 HP per second passive. Yeah. Worms are crazy. Oh, uh, I guess I've been exercising my masochistic streak, uh, trying to solo roam Nullsec in a Daredevil the last couple of days, just absolutely tilting and feeding my brains out, uh, trying to fight outnumbered and failing successfully. Oh, I know what you need to, to succeed. They've got exactly. this new like magenta pink shiny skin. Dude, dude, I bought it within 20 minutes of release. It's <laughs> so good. It looks so good. I, I don't thick, know. But like... now I have to like replace my Serpentis Victory and my IGC, both of which I farmed myself, which is like fuck man. But they're shitty skins. It does look by far the best. And you're running a rail daredevil, right? Yeah, rail, M dub, long web, kind of like a, a really bizarre fit, honestly. It's uh trying to make the ship into something that it's definitely not. Uh, but it's fun, so it's very different. And the fitting on rails is like, uh, on the Daredevil is rough. So it's like yeah, hard it's to make it. Like one of the work. few ships in the game that's a non-integer fitting ship. 
Like it's got all sorts of weird fucking values that get even weirder after you apply skills. Um, but fortunately, abyssal modules kind of fix that, and it makes it this cool jigsaw puzzle of fitting to work out. All right, well, you, you guys have all been doing solo nonsense, and I've just been kind of responding to pings for the last couple months. I've been living in the C2, and somebody finds a fight for me, and then I'll log on. I've been playing a lot of Logi and doing some uh, Rook stuff on the side, but like, let's be honest, more like five or five to seven-man gangs. I haven't really been soloing that much. Pretty lazy. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I've been around. <laughs> I've been around a little bit lately. Uh, like, I, like I, you guys know, I missed last episode. I was really busy moving in real life, and uh, so I've had a couple fights since then. I've also had my share of kind of connectivity issues, but uh, lost a couple ships. I actually got mad and like rage logged <laughs> the other week um, because. There was like five, four, four or five of us, and we kind of roamed out to another group in Venal. Um, and this group, uh, like, I'm not going to name names and shit talk, but they just like every time we roll into them with like three, you know, 80 mil faction cruisers with no snakes, they they form like more than our numbers in Logi plus armor battle cruisers. So it's just like, you know, it's kind of lame. So anyway. We always try to fight them, try and like split them up with warping around and like drag bubbles and see if we can isolate and get a kill or something like that. And anyway, I was flying a rapid heavy typhoon um, and like a kiting rapid heavy typhoon. And I ended up warping off grid to a belt. And then I was alt tabbed like, well, I was flying my stiletto alt on the grid that I just warped off of. And then I tabbed back and I had landed a belt with diamond rats and they just fucking obliterated my phone. But like before I could <laughs> do anything. Uh, so, Oof. so I was like, that actually caused me to like, just say, fuck it. I'm done. Turn the computer off, uh, which doesn't happen very often with me. I'm like a very non-ragey person, but that did it just being denied fights and then like getting obliterated by diamond rats. Anyway, got to watch Tony's video on that, I guess. Have you got gate camp by Satio rats yet? No, I haven't. Uh, dude, that's some good shit. I lost a fucking A-type retribution and hybrid snakes, just like instapotted uh, against some Satya rats in some ascend region, uh, like a week after release. It's really Ouch. those things are the real deal, man. I didn't play for two weeks after, man. I was so mad. Yeah, but I did play the other night as well. Um, kind of sat out for a week during this, the worst of the server stuff, and then. Uh, yeah, so goons deployed to PF TAC. They have a, well, not all of goons, but a SIG there in Venal. So we were fighting those guys. There's a horde group and a goon group there. Um, and there was like three of us, again, in just cheap faction cruisers. I was flying a site fleet issue. Got a ton of kills. It was super fun. Um, rammed a Kikimura, saw him on grid, like gave that guy, you know, no chance to spool. Just yelled, ram him. We were all like 100k away and we just burned at him, heated and killed him. Uh, so that was cool. Um, yeah, yeah, bunch of cruisers. It was like super fun um, fighting, like tons of slashers. They had like ram stabbers, uh, some cruisers, some scepters, hakates, uh, things like that. It was fun for three uh, rapid light missile launcher cruisers to fight. You guys have been going heavy on the Nospray too, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, people in Furnace just love it. I, I like it as well. It's super fun, it's powerful, but. It's uh, so inexpensive currently yeah, yeah. that it's just worthwhile. Like, dude, it was so funny. Two days ago, I like bat phoned Neuro because I was trying to fight this gate camp with ECM, uh, like five or six jumps out from you guys, where you stage in Venal. And uh, he shows up in an Osprey, and then Mac comes in. And he's like, all right, I'll show up. 
and you know lo and behold he shows up in a fucking osprey too and yen comes in two minutes later and he's like suddenly also burning and would you guess what he was fucking flying it's a osprey as well <laughs> so doctrine uniform it feels so <laughs> good to fly too like that's the thing it's, it's like effective it. but yeah. it just feels right it's like 65 mil it's nuts so i really like it too but for that reason i've been trying to fly other stuff and it's hilarious you look at a bunch of my kills it's like three nosprays and then me and a scythe fleet or a, a navy omen <laughs> like five percent damage yeah <laughs> yeah i know right uh on that kiki i was really missing we talked uh during the cruiser episode we talked about the scythe, scythe fleet and how uh it doesn't have the same range um but it's faster so you know i was feeling that on that kiki because we were so far away trying to get in range before it died but anyway uh you know what i haven't been up to is uh filament roaming uh ccp get on it <laughs> r.i.p dude that's what baited me into resetting i thought that i was gonna be able to filament roam from Jita or thera and it's just like i have to use a fucking acl for bookmarks but i mean it's like not hard you know i mean i haven't heard anything but i since i heard ccp say that they wanted to make them permanent so i haven't heard anything else you know, I imagine it's being worked on. I would hope so. I'm going to be incredibly disappointed if this turns into like Shield Slays 2.0, right? Except hey, we're going to be we're the only people <laughs> talking about it. Yeah, I guess like Shield Slaves 7.0, whatever. The thing that gets me though is it's not like working on is is kind of like a relative term because the mechanics already exist. Like they're there. They were there for oh, a couple of months. So I think like implementing them into the game really. All they have to do is rename them and figure out how they want to distribute them to players, right? If it's through like data sites or abyssal space or wherever the loot drop is, and getting them into that loot table, like uh, that's the part that kind of confuses me. Is like it's not like they're working on a new mechanic. Like it, it, yeah. they had it, <laughs> so but it's just time like, frame, I guess. They probably still have like you know um, like road roadmap plans stuff they want to do and. You know, just ramming something in immediately for on the short term well, plan might be difficult. I don't know. Yeah, but that's the whole point of Team Talos, though, right? Is to be more agile. So it's like I I feel like it's this is like a Team Talos like trademark thing that we should see happen like pretty quickly. I, I don't think, know. Maybe I I'm think we should give them three months. To me, I, <laughs> I think we should give them three months before we uh, before we shit on it i get the uh i get the feeling like they didn't want uh the filaments to just overshadow like the the wormhole patch that came out because they just boosted a bunch of wormhole connections which you could use to roam and stuff but it's so much easier to use the filaments fuck wormholes dude <laughs> yeah those filaments are so nice i've been reverse probing all over the place and it's so easy right now it's amazing I'm waiting to see like uh, all these wormhole evictions start to happen though. Like that's wormholers are like weird, but uh, I, I love watching what they do. Like from the well, I'm, I'm waiting for a you know a rehash of uh, the initiative hard knocks. Was it hard knocks that they evicted? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm waiting for null seckers to start evicting all of wormhole space. Like that's kind of scary. They're all busy evicting Sword Dragon right now, so it might take a couple weeks. But man, I'm, I'm, I like, I think the filaments are gonna come back, right? Because that was like uh, the perfect iteration of, for me, it was like the perfect iteration of Blackout, right? Because all the people that were, all the hunters, like, still get the same thing out of Blackout, 
and all the people that are getting hunted, like you feel good, right? Like cause you could see people coming in. So you have like some agency over your ships like being alive. So they didn't just like clam up and do nothing. So it was just like this well, perfect. And the using the ones that are targeted, um, like to the activity areas, it was always nice because you always found other groups. Because even if you had like say 10 small fleets filamenting within an hour, um, if there's only like four to six kind of targeted areas, you're gonna have overlap of where people are landing, which was my from my experience what I found, right? Um, so yeah. I don't know. I, I'm all about yeah. it. I want to see like come that. back soon. I like that more than getting a fight with like some ratting ships. Like I yeah, for like sure. fighting another filament group. I mean, they effectively make space smaller, right? Like because it's confining you to three or four regions, but you don't have to cross the entire fucking universe to get there, you know? Yep. All right. Well, let's get into kind of the meat of our discussion, which is alliance tournament. Um, so first of all, I posted a show poll about 10 hours ago and, uh, man, the fucking discord just blew up lately. So in 10 hours, we got 194 votes. And the question I asked is <laughs> very biased much, but, uh, should CCP bring back the Alliance tournament? And there was three answers, basically a, a yes, no, maybe, uh, yes was the resounding winner with 84%. Uh, the maybe was 11.3% and no was a uh, 4.6%. So nine people out of 194 said no. 22. Can we purge them? Can you kick them? I don't know. Discord? I, I wish. You should literally have to log in and track it. It's not enough yeah. anymore. Be like, uh, yeah. We need some fucking pap links, dude. It's actually the <laughs> yeah, same guy with 22 like resounding no's. Maybe I'll maybe I'll bug the the all the empire builders and see how they enforced CSM voting. Ooh, spicy. So uh, we're gonna go through. We'll each kind of tell a story. All of us have flown in ATs. I have by far the least amount of experience. Uh, I've flown in a couple, and I helped another team um, practice a whole bunch, and then did not fly in the tournament. So the team I flew with was Noir, uh, which is a mercenary corp that I flew with for for years, and. Uh, my story is not so much a story just as like the feeling of experiencing Alliance tournament, even as, as a group that did terrible at it. So we practiced a little bit before, but you know, not super serious. We had comps, uh, we had like our captain, you know, but it was, it, we found it pretty difficult, like finding groups to, to practice with. And, um, you know, we didn't probably give it like the, the try hard effort, uh, and it showed, <laughs> but the camaraderie that we had just from like doing it and practicing and going through it and the, like the, you know, the, the sweaty palms and the shakes, which were real, uh, man, it was insane. It was just such a cool feeling. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, our whole group, just everyone was super happy with, with the loss even like, uh, it was really exciting. And that's like my AT story, which, which isn't my personal AT story. I mean, I've, I remember watching and witnessing and reading about all the countless other stories, uh, which we're going to hear about some pretty prolific ones coming up. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get blood who, who has quite a bit more AT experience than me. And you actually flew with, with wild in some, right? So yeah, so it'd be funny. I'm sure wild to like harass me about some of the stuff that we talk about. No, no dude, you're a fucking, a boy. <laughs> we brought you up from nothing, bro. And now this you're is... a hero. <laughs> I don't know about hero. He's now, you, now you're on a 
together. You literally um, have a mildly successful PvP podcast, Blood. You are that's true. Yeah. That is true. I mean, definitely things have changed. Um, yeah, man. So I'll be expecting some royalties. So okay, fair, fair enough. Um, yeah. So I I've actually flown in three ATs. Um, the first was with We Hurt Hype Train uh, back in the day. And that one was like really interesting. Um, we had a lot of fun, but we were not very organized. And so while I learned a lot, and that was like when I was very new to PvP in general, um, it wasn't the most like organized or or even kind of the most successful run in Alliance Tournament, but we, we enjoyed it. And then a couple years later, I got involved actually in like even T first with Furnace and kind of uh, develop those relationships with those guys. And uh, that's like Wild and Bordak and um, a lot of the guys in that that little crew that ended up forming Barcode later on. Um, but yeah, I I just was super stoked to be involved in practices. And the, the practices, I feel like, are where, as an individual pilot, you learn the most. So I kind of uh, started flying uh, stealth bombers in a lot of our compositions. And the first year that we formed our team, uh, it was pretty drone-heavy meta. And so we're trying to figure out how to deal with a lot of the drones, and um, whether it be repair bots or offensive drones. And I ended up um, really focusing on how to land a bomb on a, a group of drones that were moving. And a lot of the compositions used like drone nav computers. So these things would be moving at like 4K a second. And uh, so you'd have to launch our, our bomb really early and try and uh, intercept the, the cloud of drones and, and land a bomb. And uh, so, yeah, the, the team like always laughed about how I, I was doing napkin math, because if we landed across from each other and they deployed their drones, then it was pretty easy. The drones are flying in a straight line. And I knew, OK, at 70 kilometers, I need to launch my bomb. But if they're at an angle and like, they assigned their drones to attack our logi pilot or something. Then you know, and our logi pilot's flying away, and then I have to do some tra like tra trajectory trigonometry. trigonometry. I don't know one of those. A squared, yeah. B squared, C squared, right? There were triangles involved, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so like it was just super fun and challenging. And then you know, after the whole bomb scenario plays out, then you also still have to figure out how do i keep this small little ship alive against rapid light missiles or artillery or, or whatever and um yeah it was like super fun really fascinating yeah uh, the, the thing that always like sticks in my brain is the, like how intricate some of those tactics are like i remember practicing with exodus like the first one or two practices um I'd launch a bomb and I'd hit a lot of their drones. I was like, all right, cool. Like got this figured out. But then they start adapting. And I remember like, I think it was Wasa QC was flying their hyena and he would trigger the drones. But then if I launched the bomb, he would assign them either to another target or like would recall them. And then they would dodge the bomb and then reassign them. And so we start being like, okay, let's adapt our tactics. Well, that's going to stall for like 15 seconds, which will help us position and then like our second bomber will launch and it, it got really back and forth but like as a viewer you don't really get to see a lot of that and it's it's hard to kind of encompass those stories so like that was always just like the most interesting part to me and and most fascinating um and i had a i had a lot of fun i uh, posted a video a long time ago of us me and one of the other guys uh that was flying a bomber like 
yeah, Strata Row just absolutely destroying Requiem Eternal. <laughs> I think by the end oh, of the match, dude. they had like five Hammerhead 2s on the field. Like, that was it. <laughs> we just had destroyed every drone in their entire composition. So it was really fun. But yeah, um, I that, those were my two experiences, or my experiences with AT or with Barcode, and this last year was more successful, but I really like, like, we've learned how to organize practices too. And that's really cool. And there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you grow in, in other areas than just piloting or, or, you know, composition, like things that you, you grow those, those friendships as well that transition past AT. So it's, it's really good in my opinion, because of those reasons. I was hoping you were going to talk about, uh, using your laptop in a Denny's to come to practice when you're on a family road trip. <laughs> That's cool too. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've practiced from a Denny's while driving. And then uh, I actually, I did a, the, that's not even the craziest one. So the, the t three times that I practiced remotely, quote unquote, was one time in a Denny's, one time uh, next to a campfire in the woods using a hotspot from my phone. And then the third one, I actually like disconnected partway through. And so you guys had to fill it. But I was in the back seat of my dad's like Chevy F one fifty or Chevy Silverado or whatever, uh, with a crew cab. And things were plugged in the cigarette lighter. That's how I was powering my laptop and then running a hotspot on my phone and we went through mountains and I disconnected. But yeah. Dedication, yo. Gotta yes. gotta make those practices. That's why you get the big bucks, blood. Dude. Actually, I was practicing in a Starbucks the last year it was actually going on, and Defender missiles were new. And so when anybody sees them, you just yell, bomb out. Well, I was <laughs> in a Starbucks, dude. And I yelled, oh, no, bomb out. Dude. And I realized, as soon as I said that, I look up, and like four <laughs> ladies look at me, and I'm just like, sorry. It's like 11 a.m. our time is practice, so it's packed. Uh, I was no. so embarrassed, and I oh, left. Dude. I said, sorry, guys, I got to go around. <laughs> You guys are talking about practice, but my first time actually ever flying in the AT was with Warlords when Duncan Tanner was playing oh. fucking 4G from a campground in like Scotland or some shit. And he decent yeah. mid match. Dude, at least it wasn't a Cambion. True, dude. <laughs> anyway, I gotta I gotta, you know, your guys' willingness to be nerds in the public is very inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a basement I... nerd. Well, they, no, no one around you knows what you're doing. Like that's the thing. You have a headset on. You're in Denny's. Like, you know, I'm sipping on hot chocolate and I'm not talking very loud. So it's it works. At least the people around you don't know what you're doing, right? I, I was practicing from work the last season for most of it. <laughs> fucking weirdest looks. Like I was checked out and whatever, but I would just, you know, I'd take an hour to drive home. So I'm not trying to do that because I would miss practice. So it's practice from work, dude. That's what that's what it takes for sure. All right, so let's get into uh, Casper. You're all done your story, right, Blood? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much... I just wanted to talk about throwing bombs at, like, you know, 100k away. Well, you can put some uh, yeah, videos sure. in that Reddit post or whatever. Like, that's that one video is fucking sick, honestly. Yeah, we'll throw a whole bunch of videos uh, in the show notes you guys can check out from stories we're talking about. All right, so I'll go on. Man, my me best memory of the AT was uh, the first year I did it with PL. I don't think Hydra participated, so I went over to them, and we were flying against one of our Nemesis teams, NC Dot. Uh, the NC Dot co-captain that year had some beef with Hydra over the last history of Hydra, so we really wanted to beat them. 
And we had a little bit of intel on what they were going to fly. So we got to practice against, uh, you know, a, a sister squad and exactly what we thought their comp was going to be. And it ended up working and we figured out how to do it. And we had it, you know, we had it all sound down. And the day of the match, uh, two of our important players, uh, Lucas Kwan and Blue Melon, had got called away. Blue had to run into emergency surgery. Uh, he's the doctor, not the patient. And Lucas was stuck in a airport. So we had to throw in two backups for them. So it kind of threw us off guard, but we, we had the match going and it was going uh, as kind of expected. We just needed to you know, clear some stuff. And there was a little Drake that was just a lynx bunny back then, just kind of sitting at 123 off the, the beacon. And it was called primary. Well, both of our Slepniers run at this Drake because we thought the match was already won and both boundary. Instantly, we're like, okay, now we're in some trouble. Two Slepniers is a lot of points. And Dankel, who was in our flagship uh, SNI, I think it was this year, he clears off, I think he finished something, I forgot what it was, but then he goes, do I shoot a vigil or do I shoot the Caracal? Shoots two shots at a vigil. And he's like, I'm not applying, I'm not applying. All right, do I reload or do I go after the Caracal? And he's like, screw it, I'm going after the Caracal. And this was all said out loud and comes. And he goes after the Caracal and the match is actually counting down. It was very, very close by this time. And when the Caracal died, there was less than 10 seconds left, and he had one missile left. So if he would have either chosen to reload or shot even one more shot at a vigil, uh, we would have lost. We won on points because he killed that in the last 10 seconds. And it was just the atrocities that uh, were committed there. It makes me remember it a lot. Um, some of the little noteworthy things. Blue was in surgery, and Apophne was actually texting his nurse's uh, assistant all the play-by-play of what was going on. And when the two Slepniers boundaried, Blue stopped the surgery and walked out of the operating room. He was so mad. Pretty pretty cool little thing. Uh, I actually broke my headset against the wall. There's still a little dent over there in the broken headset to remind me. is sitting over there. And another member, Wei-Yoon, had a beer glass in front of him and squeezed it so hard it shattered everywhere. We were uh, pretty pissed when everybody boundaried. Oh my God! Who are the? Can we like name and shame the boundary uh, Slepniers? Uh, I believe. Oh, I know one of them was Destoya. He became a good buddy of mine after that, but he just went straight out. And there's recording from his perspective. I'll get you guys to post, or we can see it. Um, and I forgot who the other one is. It was maybe Forlorn Wangraven, uh, who you know they're very good, you know, established AFT pilots, but just literally right clicked on a effing Drake straight out the arena and both of them boundaries at the same time i just like to point out that uh both those pilots are in my corp so (laughs) (laughs) we've got a reputation that's awesome yeah i was gonna say wasn't elise also like well known for boundary violating back when he he was playing i I actually think that all three of us are well known for boundary violating. (laughs) i have actually never once boundary violated in an alliance match oh i spoke too soon okay i did however In the New Eden Open, which was their like uh, CCB's like sister alliance tournament that was like a cash prize, Ooh. it only lived twice. But in the first season of that, I was the captain because no one else wanted to do it. They were like all too burned out, and I was the anchor. And I just took my entire team out of the arena, and we all boundary. <laughs> okay, that's the one. That's finished the one dead last. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. So that's why everyone thinks of boundary. But you know what? That can- that tournament got canceled. So. 
I'm I'm the winner there. Pretty sure. Pretty sure that's how that works. Well, I boundaried pretty bad. It was an AT Finals game five, and there was those beacons everywhere. I got the first one or two bushes off, but the third one, I was very close to dying. It was heat and straight at the beacon trying to make it. But as soon as I activated it, I realized I was already at heated speed and tried to deactivate and not just boost straight out in game five in the finals. It was uh, oof. Oof. I did the same thing on Chesser versus our head-to-head last uh, last AT. Uh, it was pretty sick. I'm done. <laughs> well, I was uh, beaconing. What, what was your target? Uh, why I was for trying that? to MJD onto uh, TikTok's Falcon. What was it TikToks or mine? I think it was Tix that I was going oh, okay. for. Yeah, not you, but uh, damn, damn it. like it could have been going for you, but I went the wrong direction. That's for sure. <laughs> but I'm like a frigate pilot trying to fly this like polarized sacrilege in this bizarre meta that we've never <laughs> practiced and like you know realizing this thing takes 20 seconds to align instead of the four seconds that i'm used to it's brutal and that cost us our flagship too it's so bad yep that was rough and that it threw that the whole cost- tournament honestly well, i was, was gonna say tournament. like costing yeah. the flagship is then why we uh, uh, yeah. like in we might have still lost to tuskers but it, it took away a well, lot of the meta, our that was ability everything. yeah it forces yeah. our hand onto a different meta if we can't ban Leshak and expect it to get through. Oh, where do you... So I guess I'll just um, I'll tell my story, which is a little bit about um, the meta and kind of the decision-making process that goes into pick, ban, and draft in an AT um, from the perspective of like leadership, right? Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about our match against PL that was happening uh, in our most recent AT, which, I don't know, AT 15, 16, 15? I think it was 16. 16, cool. Yeah. Um, against PL, uh, where we had this, Vordak and I, my co-captain of Barcode, had this pretty hard read uh, against what Casper and Blue, I guess, were going to draft, um, where we had this triple ban of Balgorn, Armageddon, Leshak uh, that completely forced uh, you guys away from any sort of unique comp and into something that we hoped was not going to be 3BS, which was the meta last season, triple armor battleship. Um, and was hopefully something that we could deal with with a, a kiting setup or, or more of a rush um, 8BS or, or Octodad uh, comp. Um, so Casper, I don't know if uh, you remember any of that pick ban at all or, or what you guys were trying to run in that match. I'm just trying to force you guys into some readable jams. Right, so you had an ECM priority, right? Yep. Yeah, and we'd established that um, prior from your matches, and we were like, all right, they're probably going to do ECM. We want to go as monocolored as possible or take something that can at least shoot ECM um, in a way that you know is viable, like a rush comp, right? Um, so we were playing with a couple options and an ECM of our own because um, it seemed to us like there were really three distinct metas of the triple armor battleship brawling comp, which is like the final meta up until the final weekend. Um, and then the rush comp, which was the final weekend meta of just, you know, the the same battle cruiser all out, like not any logi, just go kill them as fast as possible. And then the third meta was ECM control, right? So we assume if we ban Leshak, that means that you guys either take your flagship, which means you can't take a unique, which was our big concern. We didn't want you to take a Rabisu because they're busted. Um, Can confirm. Exactly. And uh, that means that you're probably not going to run 3BS if we also ban something like a Balgorn, which we were concerned about because we were running a lot of kiting uh, battlecruiser comps and like a, a rapid light comp we had a lot of success with. Um, so that was a potential counter for us. So we weren't concerned about going into 3BS with a Balgorn ban. 
And then we threw the Armageddon ban as well, which apparently you guys, or at least Blue said you were going to pick that um, coming into that match. Yeah, uh, Newt. So it's in a Newt's. Just like super hard read. And that's, you know, an, an Armageddon is a ship that totally prevents a kiting comp from functioning properly, right? Like we wouldn't have been able to run away from a 3BS if you had a Geddon. Um, so in banning that, uh, it opened up our possibility of bringing Rush into potentially your ECM or versus another Rush comp. Um, but we foolishly decided to throw in our flagship <laughs> Leshak, uh, which ended up dying in that match and then allowed us uh, no longer the possibility of bringing our own flag with a Leshak ban in our match against Tuskers following. But uh, it's a pretty crazy match. Polarized sacrilege, boundaries galore. It's really good recording. We should post it. Um, but it is you know, kind of a fascinating uh, hard read on a meta that totally won us a matchup, even with some piloting mistakes. It's super interesting, you know, like a common kind of complaint about the AT or EVE tournaments is that it's very difficult for the viewer to understand what's going on. And uh, it, this is just like a whole nother layer, like even being someone that can look at a match and watch it and understand what's going on, hearing like all the stuff on pick bands and strategy and comps, it's like next level deep. It's oh, so it's intriguing. so deep. And then you get into fittings too and like specific counterfeits like dude it's nuts honestly it's like the deepest game i've ever even heard about yeah when you're when you're sitting there in the finals being like what are they going to take am i going to skew my jammers am i going to skew my hardeners like there have been alliance tournaments that have been won because a myrmidon skewed hardeners like they get we've yeah, like, like predicted like, what's going to yeah. happen <laughs> it's not skewed hardeners one way and you can't see that as a viewer it's impossible yeah. And you try and like and analyze all the fits from all the th stuff that they're bringing and assume based on what their past fits have been, what their fits are when you see them in match. So like you can tell people what to load. It's like, it's really deep um, as far as like you're thinking on your feet based on prior knowledge that you've gathered. So there's a lot of research that goes into it. Yeah. My, uh, my AT story is like, it goes a little bit further back, I guess. Um, I've been commentating since uh, like Alliance Hornet 12. Um, but my first Alliance Hornet was Alliance Hornet 6. Um, I was just some like new to PL dude. They're like, hey, we need some people to run practice with. Uh, they didn't trust me at all, right? Like they didn't even let me see the, the uh, Alliance Hornet forms. They're just like, here, fly this, do this, like be a body. And I was like, all right, this is fun, whatever. But they didn't like call me up to the, to the main stage, right? Uh, so the next year, I was like, you know what? This was a lot of fun. Like, the dudes that I flew with in practice, I got, like, this rush that I haven't felt since I was, like, starting the PvP. So I want more of this. So we'd go into to practice for Alliance Warrant 7, which was, like, in summer. So I'm just like, yo, I'm just taking the summer off. I'm playing EVE like a nerd, whatever. No judge. And, like, I practiced hard. Like, I was on, like, all the squads. Uh, and I was still some, like, nobody in PL, right? Like, nah, no one knew who I was. And so eventually, like, we got there. Um, the very first match, Seamus, who was the executive PL and, like, the, the huge AT mind for, for PL at the time, he was like, yo, uh, no offense, you did great in practice. Uh, I'd love to use you going forward. But this is, like, this is, like, some big duck energy. So I'm going with dudes who I know and I've been, like, flying with. I'm picking, like, my roommate from college in this thing. I'm flying this other guy who was, like... Uh, He's got like 10,000 kills in, in 2006, like just out of your mind, like good pilots. He's like, yo, but we'll use you as an alternative if we have to. I'm like, whatever. Okay, fine. And then PL just like goes on the steamroll that Alliance Torrent. And then come the finals, 
um, like Seamus decided last minute that he wanted to swap fits uh, and just to, to swap uh, ships around and uh, just uh, comps. So he was like, shit, shit, shit. Uh, we need you in a rook. Who can fly a rook? And I just lied. I was like, yo, I got max skills for a rook. He's like, all right, uh, here, oh, take this rook. <laughs> and I get in the Please rook. my Lord Carlos off the team. <laughs> yo. <laughs> like, I, fucking, I get in this rook, right? And I am like, oh, dude, my hands are shaking. Like, this is the finals versus CO2. Like, the winner of this match. It's not, it's like the winner of this one match gets the memer or damn the loser gets the frecky. And I look at this ship and I'm like, shit, this ENM too, I can't fit. It's grayed out. Like I don't have the skills to turn this on. So I send my alt, like I don't say a word, right? So I just send my alt. Uh, Cause we were in like four jumps from Jita. So I just burned a Jita by, it was like an N type uh, ENM, like best name. <laughs> So I buy that, I fucking ferry it over, I swap it onto my ship, and like I don't say anything. And I finally get this this mod on, and it's 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 janky, right? Oh. And so we take this fit, we uh we're like just yeah, man, pounding like CO2. Numbers. It's like that's not insignificant. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not insignificant at all. And so like we're we're kind of owning, right? But then uh GigX, like all our jams fail. It was like a control team. Uh it was a bomber control team. And our jams all fail. Uh, and me and this other rook, we're in like a, vent, a private vent together because that's how we did things. Like the, the rook squad and then the Logi squad and like the bomber squad. They're all like their sub channels at the time. Uh, and he was like, shit, my jams all just dropped. And I'm like, oh shit, mine did too. And my ship just fucking explodes. I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> rug down. At this time, this was the only ship PL had lost the entire tournament run because we were just, we we're just flossing. And the, the, the captain, Seamus, is like, what? What, you died? How'd you die? I'm like, uh, we, we lost all jams. And shit, like, we were dominating, right? There was no way we were going to lose this match. But, like, in the heat of the moment, you're like, shit, we lost a linchpin ship. Uh, this is going to be bad. And uh, I was like, uh, yeah. And, of course, in the cargo of the rook that died is, uh, is a oh, Tectuina. No. And this other one. But the way kill mails were, you couldn't like really see like what was fit and what wasn't oh, fit. So it was, yeah. So like it was me and this one other rook pilot that knew, and like I was like, I'm taking the secret to the grave because this guy's gonna kill me otherwise. <laughs> no, no, dude. But yeah, then after that, I mean, the reason I'm like that's my favorite because that's what got me hooked, right? Like that's when I knew this was like the the type of play style for me. So Alliance Hornet eight, like I did the same shit. Like it went hard. Eventually it led me to like I got to co-captain a team in Alliance Hornet 10. I was the captain in Alliance Hornet 11. I like came up theory crafted fits. And you know, it just feels really, really good. Like you like it's just so deep. There's so many things to consider. And running the practices, like those people become your like Eve brothers, which sounds like really corny, but they they become like your family that you like your ride or die family. You play with for like five hours a day sometimes and you hate each other some days and you like you just need to relax but i've got all those dudes from like all the way back from alliance weren't seven i still have them all on steam i still like play other games with them occasionally like i was gonna it, say like, something like you can't get you can't vordak get like in any other thing like vordak our team captain someone i've never met ever in my life but like he has my cell phone number because like really early morning iceland time right that's when the tournament's going on like you got to make those phone calls and make sure people are awake like you know like that 
same idea. It's like those those are people that I'm like as close as I am with through a video game as I am with like real life friends, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's like it's so weird. Like if you haven't gone through it, it sounds absolutely absurd. But it, it's this weird fraternity of <laughs> for sure. Well, let's let's kind of get into some general discussion about DAT. Um, so it's no secret. It was just like, what, about a year, just over a year ago that the announcement came out that AT was postponed for 2019, right? Um, so let's kind of go through and, and talk about why we feel AT or, you know, how about AT and or competitive gameplay, like competitive PvP this type of theme. Why is it important to both small gang and the general Eve ecosystem? Um, anyone can kind of key up an answer. I mean, I've always been like a huge fan of it because it's it's end game content, right? It's that it's that cherry on top of the Sunday that you always are, are wanting to to get. It's it's Eve within Eve. Like it's like the most hardcore devoted aspect of the game. It's you need to have like the best of everything to compete there. Uh, you have to theory craft really well, you have to fit well, you have to pilot well, you have to practice well. It's, you know, it, it's just crazy good. Um, it just represents like the, the highest peak that you can reach and, and bragging rights. And the thing is like all those people who, who compete, they're all content enablers. Like when they're playing not in the Alliance tournament, they are scouts and fleets, they're FCs, they're uh, the dudes that are tackling frigates for you or tackling fleets for you. <laughs> like uh, every single one of those people is content enablers. And and if this is something that they want to do, like they'll stick around for the Alliance Hornet. I've got, <laughs> I don't want to say hundreds, but I've got uh, like dozens of friends that play only for the Alliance tournament. Uh, like that's that was their drive to to keep playing. It's not like they'd quit after the AT was over. Like everyone would take like a, a two month break or whatever, but they'd be back. But then when there's like no AT on the horizon, they're just like, eh, there's nothing in it for me. Like I want to to climb that mountain. I want to to like push myself against other people who are equally as motivated. I want to do this, but if it's not there, then I'm not going to be there. And then the fleets like start losing these people, right? Like like a big fleet will lose. A scout or a recon dude or a guy that would like anchor the lodgy or the guy that would uh, coordinate the dictors or the boosters or something like that. I think those people just start going and falling and it's not something you can really see. Like you can't put a number on it. You can't quantify it without experiencing it. And it just sounds like complete bullshit, but I'm sure everyone in it, a big alliance, like, or even a small alliance or middle alliance, like they know that some of those guys are gone. <laughs> Like they look around and they can say, "Yeah, that that actually happens." That story like uh, resounds with me. Like I, I I know a guy that was like that. I think that a uh, mountain analogy that you made is like kind of the core of it for me. It's like such an aspirational part of the game um, that it gives you something to come back for. You know, like for Eve to stay fresh, you need to have new goals, and it's not skill points because you accumulate like 150 mil and you're done. And it's not like supers anymore because there's seven bill or whatever, right? Um, so it's got to be some sort of competitive 
gameplay between you and other players. And like, it feels sick to go out and stomp on TQ and like crush a response fleet and be like, I'm a fucking sick gamer, you know? But then in AT, it's a whole nother level to go in and just absolutely demolish a really, really high tier skilled group of players, right? And I think that the rush and the reward of brothership and and like uh, your teamwork that comes back from that is justification enough. You know, you don't necessarily need anything more than that as a goal and as a play style. I mean, I think you said it the best when you were like uh, talking about your, your AT story. Like when you got to pick ban read and you won a match because of it, like that's a feeling you cannot recreate anywhere in EVE. Uh, like you want to be the guy that does BTACR or whatever. Screaming. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the best feel. Like it, it's just, you're like, months of practice with these dudes have paid off like we took a gamble it worked and you're like jumping for joy and then you know that because you've like experienced the other side before you know that the other people are going like oh shit like that's like you just inflicted yeah, the, the other side of that, 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 that dick case dude <laughs> yeah exactly i know literally then, the only thing that was said was four letter words when we saw what you were in was the only thing came out on every all 10 members and you know, like in your in your like gut, you know that you inflicted that on someone else because you felt it before. Like everyone that's competed, like in more so than two good. matches, so good. And then uh, the same thing, exactly like one match like. later against Tuskers, they fucking hard countered us. Same thing. We brought ECM into their APS. It's so bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, what they said was correct. I'm gonna go in more of the adrenaline side, man. That is real. You show up on grid. Stuff gets called, a game plan goes out, and it starts. That countdown comes on. I Nothing else like it. I've done a bunch of professional racing all the way growing up, and when those lights go green, yellow, red, and everybody's motor's pegged around you, it's the same feeling. And I feel like an idiot saying that, you know, about a video game. But with your buds that you just worked there for six or eight months on, like at least said, five hours a day, and then you're all doing this together, it's, it's fucking great. And it's it's so funny you say that. I remember very vividly, like in the 80s, I flew in that those moments of the countdown before you're allowed to go, right? And man, at, like no wonder rush comps have been so successful in the past because those first 10, 15 seconds, like I don't know what the fuck I, I was doing. <laughs> yeah, like all things you've learned are kind of out the window. Uh, it's crazy. It's such a crazy feeling. I mean, yeah, there's... can you imagine like being blood ruined trying to make a fucking Tenement purifier survive against like LML spam? He's a wizard, dude. I don't understand it. Right? Wait, I was I was gonna say, like, all, all you guys are talking about kind of like the macro, like these these big things of, of why the NT is like so important. And I think they're all true. For me, it like I don't I just have a, a huge emphasis on the practice part. And like for me, it's much more focused. It's like it's the small things. Like, so I think that my piloting after doing a T was at least like 500% better. And it's because in practices you have very concentrated events, you know, you're repeating compositions and you're repeating tactics. And there's going to be a situation where, you know, your frigate pilot has to hold down a battleship for, you know, two plus minutes. And you, you learn the specific ways to do that and not die. And then you go back to TQ and you, you, you do those things. And, like I, I think of like Casper, one of the earlier times that I interacted with you on TQ was actually you flying around in a slasher in low sec, taking on cruisers, 
and you're it's this kiting artillery slasher but like you'd be fighting a cruiser for six ten minutes like holding them down and like that to me was that transition from alliance tournament and practice and being in those situations repeatedly to tq and saying you come on grid and you go oh this thorax is not prepared to fight me like because he put out medium drones and i know that he you know he can only have uh 50 m3 worth of drones so he doesn't have any lights and like i can i can kite him for days and and you like start to transition that those really specific skill sets back into tq and like just do some really cool crazy stuff and like that's the transition from okay alliance tournament team to small gang content creator in my brain is just going into those super detail-oriented fight situations and like learning, you know, as a bomber, how do I stay alive against eight battle cruisers that can project to 70 kilometers, right? And like learning to pulse your MWD and understanding about how that signature is affected and, and stuff like that. Like that is that, that carryover that I just, I don't see it happening anywhere else in EVE. Like even on test server, hopping in with friends and you test some things about new mechanics or application or whatever, but you, you don't get that same level of intensity or repetition that you get from Alliance tournament. And I think like even T is like, has been a very good bridge, but it, again, it still is, it's a different format. It's more constrained and the fits weren't flexible. And so then it's, instead of learning how to adapt your ship or your your skill set you're instead learning what the capabilities of what you were given are and and so it's a little bit different but yeah i just don't see that anywhere else in eve and that's the part that is so valuable to me as like an individual player blood you can't see it but uh i'm wiping a tear from my eye right now that's my focus <laughs> so beautiful I think that's a good really really good point some people say that you know the at only affects x amount of people you know 10 12 per team but that's 10 12 guys per alliance that are gaining all this knowledge that blood just said and now he's going to tell his four friends he's going to go tell his four friends and it actually just brings the quality of the game up as a complete whole right because all this knowledge hey this slepnir can hit for this far i can be either this far or this close not to get hit well, if you think you tell that to four people and four people and four people, well, the entire quality of that entire alliance just went up just because of you learned one thing. Oh, yeah. And I think of like Wild with Scepter piloting, where he goes in and he's like managing scrams on different targets or managing to shut off micro jump drives, those kinds of things. And those transition to teaching other interceptor pilots when you go into a small gang and you're like, hey, watch out for an MJD or you know, like uh, just different situations where, um, I, especially around the drone meta, there were so many times where Aguila was so dominant, but they only have two drones. So you'd start learning little tactics of like, okay, if I web one drone with an overheated web and it falls back and the other one starts to catch up, I can then switch my web over. That one's going to fall up back and like you'll get hit maybe like 25% of the time. Then you go on TQ and you start doing that against a ratting Gila and escalating fights and stuff like that and it's it's just like so crazy how how that can snowball and then suddenly you have 20 you know super crazy nano pilots that everyone think 
is like memeing on people, but they're not. They're just like trying to find that same challenge again. The edge. Yeah. And it becomes like after you practice it so many times, like it becomes second nature, which like you don't realize gives you this massive advantage in like a small scale fight. But it totally does. Like uh the first couple seconds of a fight, if you can just like go back and talk, basically like brain autopilot like yeah i know what to do in this situation because i practice it like dozens of times or practice things like it then you just kind of go in and you you start to fight and engage like exactly how you have always done before and the other guys like fucking white knuckling trying to figure out like oh what's going on like and in those couple seconds you just give yourself this huge advantage and like suddenly you're <laughs> you're a little bit better than the other guy yeah, and, and there's if, no reason to like there's no reason to do that otherwise without like some sort of competitive need to, to like hone your individual skills well and if you like bring that across to other people that you're flying with like communication becomes so important in at and you start to kind of put those experiences into practice in small gang fleets and you start to be more efficient with how you communicate and that leads to success or positioning, right? Like, cause in AT you have a limited area that you can move through, right? If you boundary violate your ship explodes. So you start to be far more cognizant of the area in space that you're actually moving through and where your teammates are positioned. And then you go on TQ and you do that again, but then like, some point you realize oh yeah like there's not a boundary we can start to stretch this out again but like yeah like in those first 15 seconds you start to go i've done this a million times where the two most important things to start off let's communicate so we're on the same page and let's position so we're in the same place and like boom you are miles ahead of whatever response fleet that you're facing or turbo blob that has formed up like and and that is like the deciding factor in like most of the time surviving or or you know holding grid and and killing a lot of people yeah and it's it's just crazy like you guys have given example after example of how the skills you develop translate to enjoying eve on tq like constantly when you're in a small gang fighting the blob that's what you're doing you're communicating you're positioning yourself on the grid where you're not in danger and then you're you know you stay together with your gang and watch the blob waiting for them to fail on their positioning so that you can actually get kills because like that's if they never failed on their positioning it's unlikely you, you your gang would get kills like the positioning aspect is so huge i don't know i, yeah. I just like oh and a lot of eve is like forcing people to forcing the other guy to make a mistake at, at some point right so you get a massive advantage if if uh, you know how to not make those mistakes while they fall into those or even yes. just make fewer yeah Absolutely. So, like I said, it was about a year ago, right? February 2019. Is that right? When when uh, CCP Falcon announced the not necessarily the canceling, but what was the term they used? The uh, postponed hiatus, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. some postponed or hiatus. <laughs> so, why did CCP make that decision? Let's uh, hypothesize on that. So, um, I, I mean, for, ever since I've been doing like alliance tournament commentating. Um, you get to you get to kind of see like behind the curtain a bit, right? You get to because the last like two weekends they fly the commentators out, and you're actually in CCP Studios like while they're doing um, the whole, at least while they were doing it at CCP Studios. And like every year, 
it's like the same group of dudes who are like, they're like, oh man, I love the AT. And I'm like, yo, are you guys, it's like, are you guys getting paid for this? And we're like, eh, I mean, we sort of are like, we get extra vacation and stuff, but we're just doing this because we love it. Like we think it's the bees knees. Um, there's no like team responsible for making AT tools for like keeping tranquility alive and then stuff like that, or th um, the test servers live. Yeah. There's no like purse. There's no team there that that's for that. It's just a group of dude. They send out like this letter, <laughs> like, "Hey, AT season's coming back. Who wants to volunteer to to do it?" And these people were like always really excited, but always towards the end they'd be like, "Whew, another AT is done. I don't know if there's going to be another one, guys." Uh, like, it, like this feels like it's it's kind of might be the last one, and then there's always been another one. It's just so hard to quantify the value for like an accountant, right? Like someone that, and, and it's not like they're dumb or bad or like they, they are ruining the game in any way. Like you show them this really esoteric uh, competitive esport for a game that's not meant to have an esport. And they say, okay, where's the value? And you just go, well, we can't really show you actual value. We just know that people like it. And then they go, well, shit, like they like other stuff too. Like, can we hire another developer that will make uh, Citadels better? Like people would really like that too. And it's the same cost. So it's just really, really hard to demonstrate the value for it um, without some sort of like passionate group of nerds spending an evening talking about it. Right. And I mean, one of the values is we mentioned how, how players will come back for the AT or be re-engaged with Eve um, with the AT. And, and I've heard on another podcast, at least, you mentioned that uh, Gobbins actually returned to Eve due to the Alliance tournament. And then after that, subsequently went on, on to form Pandemic Horde, um, giving thousands and thousands of people content. So is that like an accurate statement? Yeah, like I don't want to talk for Gobbins, right? But Gobbins was like, one of the main theory crafters for the early Alliance Hornet teams. Um, and there was actually some beef between Gobbins and Seamus. So Gobbins actually moved over to Hydra and like brought all of the PL secrets over. And then that's kind of like Garmin and uh, Gobbins, like with Duncan together, like they made the, the, the first Hydra teams and <laughs> they had this like huge grudge match. But yeah, dude, Gobbins was like gone from Eve if there was no AT. He was like, doing his life stuff. He was like, you know what? I've accomplished everything I need, uh, whatever. I, I was an FC. I got a Titan. I was in the biggest war. Uh, let me go do like work stuff. And then the AT came back and he was like, yeah, I want to, I want to be a captain and get gold. Like that was his thing. Yeah. He wanted that thing. And so he came back. Um, and then when he came back, he noticed the game changed and he was like, yeah, this game's fun. Like, fuck it. Uh, and then we did some other stuff and we were like shooting brave newbies. He was like, Hey, these brave newbies guys are amazing. I can do it better though. And I was like, all right, just go do it better. Like do you, you crazy Italian. And then he, and then he did it. The madman did it. Um, but yeah, like there are a bunch of examples of, of like little gobbins is all over the world uh, that like stayed around for just AT stuff. And then there's like, the shit stories of the dudes that left because there's no it like capku's entire alliance yeah uh, skill yourself <laughs> like they just skilled themselves right into like world of warcraft because they didn't they're like what well there's nothing for us to do like uh there is no at we went off to take some space we took all the fucking space 
what what do we do? Like, let's just go. Let's go run some. Those were our raids. practice partners. We had to create Triumvirate as a tournament team in order to have a U.S. Times on practice partner after they disbanded. It sucked. Nice. Oh, the I, I say, that's maybe a little drastic. I mean, El Diablo. No, no, it was Diablo. It's all Diablo the whole way through. <laughs> But but that was yeah. our meta. Don't get me fucking wrong. We <laughs> ran those practices. <laughs> we, we did. <laughs> I miss skill yourself. They yeah, were I mean, good. Dude. Their execution was so good, especially like in artillery comps. Like we learned fly killer from them, right? Yeah, like they would smoke us in mirrors, dude. Like lose one ship. This is brutal. Totally fucking. They were dicks up. about it too. They would be like, "Yeah, we're not even trying." <laughs> oh, like God. we just like those guys, man. <laughs> they yeah, memed so trying. hard. Yeah, they're like sitting at the computer eight hours a day practicing. Like, yeah, we'll just take whatever. I mean, I don't even know what's meta now. Like, I I, I remember this Capcu post. He's like, "Hey, I guess we'll just do this Alliance Torrent. Uh, what's good? And like, should I just buy some Harbs and Jeter? Or like, what's going on?" We had like two four-hour scrim blocks a week for that meta, but yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I really like the skill you story, like of of them coming out and getting into the sob stuff, and then subsequently, you know, hitting up the dumpster. But like, I don't know. It it's just so interesting, and in, in the roots of of AT kind of tie that all together. One thing I did want to touch on, which I'm going to surprise you guys with because it's not in the notes, but. We had the year of collusion, right? Which is kind of a black mark on the AT. Uh, were yeah. any of you guys involved in that? I might edit this part out. If I think <laughs> yeah. Casper and I both were, yeah. Okay, should we not? Should we talk about it or no? Um, I think it's fine. It's all public. It's hard to talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to talk about scamming DHB Wildcat for 100 bill too. Yeah, let's start with that. That's pretty good. All right, Rad. So um, we got our payouts right after AT and. Um, Kadesh, who was handling the payouts, um, didn't have like a easily divisible cash stack to give all the people who were playing, but didn't have like a incomplete um, participation to earn less than one ship, um, a ship, right, or, or cash, right. So he gave me a full Kermois, um as like a first year guy who'd showed up to like maybe twenty or thirty practices, just fucking sick. Um, and then they got confiscated, right? <laughs> uh, plus like you know, 30 bill. So that they were valued at 70 bill at the time, plus 30 bill is 100 bill. And then, you know, they all get confiscated in the big scandal of collusion, um, which happened, right? Um, and my my wallet is showing negative, like 50 bill at this point, because I transferred a bunch of money around and it looked really ugly and CCP yoinked it all. Um, and DHP Wildcat made that forum post about reimbursing the, the layman, the people who got mixed up in the whole thing and were fucked. Um, so I sent him my screenshot. I duplicated and photoshopped the negative 50 bill onto two characters. And he sent me close to 100 bill um, in order to recoup that. And I kept the Kermos too. So it's it pretty fucking pimping. Or I guess they were imps, right? Not Kermos. Yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty sick. So I've never ratted once in my life. I just, you know, received 200 bill from Hydra as my my windfall starting the game. Pretty sick. Nice. And just to kind of like the whole collusion thing, let's kind of cover that. So the the what what happened was is two teams were essentially acting as one kind of uh, not bringing their 100% to some of the matches in order to kind of decide who would go into what bra- part of the bracket is. Is that like well, a very my, broad my way to put it? My understanding was it was the it was 
two individuals on the team had had made kind of that arrangement and the individual the rest of the people on the team weren't necessarily didn't necessarily know about the the conversations that were going on between those two people oh, right but here we go i'll tell you what happened okay <laughs> I was not leadership for this, but I was a line member that played often this year and was helping with theory and stuff. 13. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So we went into every match. Uh, what happens is the two, there was our practice partner was, uh, who was it that year? It was Camel that year. Were they Camel? Yeah. It yeah. Camel turn left versus. So it was Camel and turn left and Warlords. And that was just our practice partner. And we had shared theory crafting. We knew what was going on, but two completely unique teams uh, in player base. And so we came into the winner's bracket final. I believe it was a best of five was yeah. the winner's bracket well, best final. Of five with, with one offset, right? Because it was winner's yeah. bracket to winner. Yeah. So what I was told happened, and again, this was found out way, 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 way after all the Reddit drama posting, all the bullshit, after everything was taken away, I was told that the members that were banned, I believe it was Kadesh and Bob Shaftos, and somebody else had like a semi-ban or something. They went into a room and they pretty much had a coin flip of, all right, you get to choose from the A tier list of comps. You get to choose from the B tier list of comps. And that happened after the very first round. So the first round we went in, no halls barred, bring what you want. The winner of that, the next round, would have to bring the lesser comp. Uh, just choose any out of our B tier comp. You get to choose the A, pretty much making the best of five into a best of one and showing nothing new that we could say for the grand finals. Um, but to clarify, that was for the quarterfinals, right? So that was... Yes, the, this is for the quarterfinals. Bracket. We were very yeah, confident. Finals, right, because we didn't yeah. want to show meta at the time. Correct. Bringing two A-tier comps. And we were very confident we could get back through the loser's bracket on either team, but we would need we to, not to show our but, hand. Right, we wanted to conceal Mistress. Yeah. And that was, sorry, that was confusing, but if you have any questions, that's that's what I was told happened later. And whoever said the, the players on the team, we had no clue. We went in, into it, hey, this is what we're flying, this is what you're flying, let's freaking go. And so we all ran into it 100%. We had no idea what was going on. So the, the big problem here, right, is um, I, I, it's probably why the, the hammer falls so hard uh, on these two teams specifically is because it's not the first time that the <laughs> the teams have done like similar True. shenanigans, right? <laughs> so in Alliance Tournament nine, I think it was nine, right? Um, the Vindicator one. Yeah. So yeah. Outbreak, or so, so Hydra and Outbreak were training partners, and for all intents and purposes, they were like one team. They weren't like two different groups. They weren't practice partners. They were just like the the same guys split across two teams, and then they get to the finals, and they just. Essentially, it's like Hydra on one side, Outbreak on the other side, and they just uh, do some like WWE shenanigans. They get Lady and a Vindicator. They like so it's like a Vindicator team versus a Rush team, and the Rush team looks like it beats everything, and then the Vindicator comes back and solos everything because the other guys just stopped shooting. Like it was, it was just like <laughs> this horrible embarrassment for the finals, right? But the both teams had just made it to the finals. So they're just like, oh, whatever, we're gonna celebrate. And CZB got super pissed because this was like their marquee eSport event. It was their finals and it was like the the most wet blanket finals ever. <laughs> so like, all right, well, we're going to put this rule in place. They banned both teams for a year from competing. 
And they're like, we're going to put this rule in place so like you guys can't collude. And if you do collude, we can uh, like take everything away from you. But it's there's like this gray zone, there's like gray area, right? Where like if you're practice partners, like you know what you're going to fly. Uh, like where where does this like end up? And so CCP goes like, well, they have to like make these special like circumstances, and no one really like officially knows the rules. So like Hydra as a team, like those dudes, like they push the boundaries. Like that's everything. The Alliance Torrent is like kind of all about pushing the boundaries, right? So they just they just pushed an extra boundary and like just wanted to see how far it could go. And then the, <laughs> they just like hit the hammer hard. But like I, I think that's one of the problems. It might may even be one of the reasons why like the Alliance Torrent's not on anymore, is because like it just became this convoluted mess of rules that no one knows really how to enforce anything. Like, what's an A team? What's a B team? Like, what do you define? It's like, if you practice with one another and you know your setups, does that mean you're, like, the same team? Like, and like where does the, the line end? So I think CCB just were like, well, in this current format, and I think this is, uh, uh, like, the, the, like, the nut-nut of it from from what CCP Falcon posted last year about the putting it on hiatus. So like, you know, we could do the same shitty Alliance tournament with the same shitty rules uh, and iterated like with no iteration. And you guys are going to have the same result where Hydra and Vidra or team A and team B who are practice partners are going to end up at the end. Um, or we can like take the time, come up with a good set of rules and come up with a, like a good fresh product. Uh, that, that, that was always my take at the time. Uh, of the the thing and that makes total sense i think that this like really speaks to the big problem of the alliance tournament at least in its old format right which is trying to coordinate practices with 10 to 12 to 13 people you know it necessitate or necessitates uh an a team and a b team because you can't just have six dudes in a discord practicing 3v3s together right so when you have that kind of scale, I think it gets out of control really fast and you have to have a lot of infrastructure around it. So there's like an incentive to field two teams if you have to have double the number of people in order to practice, right? Yeah. And I think also like, uh, because at the time, like when the AT, like EVE Online doing the Alliance Hornet was like this, it was this like completely nuts idea. Like the first few Alliance Hornets, there was no such thing as an esports. There was no like, international for dota there was no uh whatever the league version is like that didn't exist there were like these uh dumb little like land competitions but weren't like real esports things and i think now esports has grown just so much that i think there is that uh like knowledge of how like how different teams can practice with one another without giving away their comps like there's a you could skirmish like skirmishing was becoming a popular thing, but it didn't really catch on. But I think there is like some sort of like new institutional knowledge that Eve esports can borrow from other esports. Finally, we could steal from someone else um, and kind of have a successful, uh, like just a successful system where teams can practice without needing thirty or forty dudes to be on the team because that's what you need right now. Like, if you want all of your setups, or that's what you needed. Or, or more. I mean, we had a roster of 45, so it's not like... Yeah. yeah. Like, if you don't want anyone to see your setups, you need, like, 50 people. 
uh, 40 or 50 people to, to, to do it right in the, the last format that we had. And, you know, those hardcore groups will do it, but the not hardcore groups, like the groups that don't, like they can't put that in, like they don't have that type of like manpower for it. They're going to be so far behind. And the gap between a good team and a bad team exactly. is going to look like disgusting. Like it's not even going to look like a fair fight. Which is what we saw in this two years ago, right? Like there were four teams or maybe eight teams with proper meta, maybe maybe six teams, right? And then everyone else was just really, really S or yeah. B tier compared to the top tier. And that's just because like the rules didn't change. Like they didn't change enough, right? Like they changed a little bit, but not enough. The format didn't change, but not, not or changed a little bit, but not enough. And so you get the, well, the disparity and the flagship banning uniques was a pretty big deal. But I don't think everyone read that the same way as we did. Yeah, and also like so. When I first started the AT, there were two good teams, right? There was PL and Hydra, and then the rest, like no offense to any other person who was like on a team, the the rest of the teams were trash compared to those two teams. Like the the gap between one and two. And three and four was massive, right? And then from like Alliance Tournament eight, nine, and like ten and onwards, I'd say, like the yeah, the one where like Fozzie like kind of takes the AT under his wing as a CCPer instead of a player. Then like you get to see that the gap between one and two and three and four, like there's like no gap. Like you get to see teams like Tuskers come out where before they'd be like a third or fourth place team. They we're a first place team. Like <laughs> they're number one. Like the the top six, top eight teams, any one of those top eight teams can finish first. But those bottom like twenty teams, ooh, they they look like real bad. And yeah, uh, that's not that's not fun to watch. That's not really right. fun to compete in. Like if you're just getting stomped no. by a meta that you didn't see coming, like that just sucks. Well, that first weekend is the one that required the most manpower too, right? Because you have to fucking ref like 64 matches per day, or, or I guess 32 matches per, for the first day and then 32 for the second day, which is like completely crazy. That's like pulling 10-hour days for the people trying to run the damn show on their on their break. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was just like... So even T got to do a lot of that. And that's like... I was sitting at my computer from like sunup to sundown and I just had no voice at the end of the second day. Like, I just talked so much. And we had a buttload of people do it. It wasn't just, like, uh, three dudes doing all the work. It was, there were a good, like, 20 or 30 people in our thing. And no commentator talked for more than three or four hours at a time. But, dude, it was insane to, to try and get everything. I was going to say, that's one of the biggest... Format. That's one of the biggest arguments, right, about the AT is like how much resources it it pulls and like or away from other things or or what have you. But like I thought that even T did a crazy amazing job with production um, on the last one, and and it's like I feel like there is potential for that kind of process to be more. Um, to, to be improved on, right? Where it's like even T running things, uh, having maybe like ISD doing the, the like uh, refereeing or, you know, teleporting of people. I mean, I, during Thunderdome practices, I, we actually ran the tool um, internally and, and that tool is what you need to make 
the match happen. Like it wasn't difficult and you don't necessarily need a dev to run the tool. Um, you just need a, a trusted player who, you know, you, you would say, yeah, this person knows the rules and, and won't be cheating. Right. So like that, that kind of argument as far as resources, I, I feel like there's some validity to it, but I also feel like maybe just hasn't been, they haven't, there hasn't been as, as much effort into outsourcing the production of a tournament as there could be, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. It's like on one part, I'm like really thankful that employees at CCP are volunteering their time. But on the other side, I'm like, I don't feel like they should have to. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so like all the pieces are in place to have the players run the production and everything. Right. But there are things that the players can never do. Like the players, the player groups can't, come up with the rules because like uh, like if emt makes the rules then like no one's gonna compete right no no i literally made the rule set for the first day of the jinton tournament that was the most recent one it's fucking awesome amazing meta (laughs) like we can make our own rules it's a it's an option oh so here's the thing right you can make your own rules and you can be good at it because emt we made our own rules we made our own format but if you want to get um I did too. It was it was experimenting, dude. Like yeah. we got some things wrong. Like I'll take credit for the Raven and the Megatron forever. But uh, like, if you want buy-in, you're gonna you have to have a seat from the greater community. You need CCP to run to like own the product. I think, and because you don't want no, to be any shades of like doubt that a player is giving his friend like an advantage. Um, because here's Actually, the thing, like. like board. Yeah, even if, especially if there's like a five trillion esque reward, yeah, <laughs> like a reward that's uh... tournament, but yeah, <laughs> but like those things, like the the tournaments that Event he did and the the tournaments that Streamfleet did and Jintan did, like those are very much passion projects. Those are like, guys, we want this to survive. <laughs> what can we do? Uh, like we're, you guys are competing not for the prize, but just because there's no nothing else to compete in. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. But like I, I think so the, the big problem, right, is uh t- if you want uh an AT or competitive type thing, like you need some form of, of infrastructure f- to let players do it. Cause uh I don't know how public this is or if I'm gonna get like shit on for saying this, but the the tournament tool that everyone uses was made by one dude who doesn't work there anymore. And like he wasn't a dick when he left. Like the, working in the gaming industry, like the average turnarounds or the average like uh, life expectancy sure. of an employee is like two or three years. Uh, this guy, his name was CCP Veritas. Uh, super cool dude. He was a CCP for like five years. He just happened to like the tournament, and he was like, uh, "On my spare time, I'm making this tournament tool." And I'm sure he had other dudes help him and test it out. And it was great at the time. And then he like he goes on to another game, and it's not like he takes the keys with him, but the game changes, and no one knows like <laughs> how to fix this tournament tool and how to get it to to work again. So they have to get like uh, another CCP code dude to like look at this tool, deconstruct it, like, and just to get it to work. Like they need to have someone that has tools. <laughs> Uh, they need to like make the tools so we the players can like run the infrastructure for them. Well, and something similar happened with 
CCP Logic, bro, he set up Thunderdome, and then <laughs> when they fired him, like six months later, no one knows how to how to update it Thunderdome. You know, it was literally a matter of like, yeah, we actually don't know how Thunderdome like. <laughs> We, yeah. we know we're where like, it is physically, well, but we don't know. Logi wrote it a lot for us. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this actually goes all the way back to the dojo thing, right? And how it seems like the AT has really just been a passion project of an individual CCP or one after another kind of in sequence rather than backed by maybe the entire company. Um, so I don't know if that's like even a direction that they can head, but certainly for the competitive future of the game, or if there is any, right? Like it has to be kind of a more uniform approach, uh, a more approach from on high than it is from just a couple of guys going rogue and trying to run a tournament or trying to make a tool for players to run the tournament that really doesn't seem to be sustainable. And so one of the, the one of the most wild things like ever is uh, someone just the other day, they posted on the, the Eve subreddit um, recordings from FanFest 2007 um, in Reykjavik, and I was, I remember watching it. It wasn't even, like, Twitch didn't exist, right? So you had to watch it. You had to, like, download the VODs <laughs> and watch it. But I remember um, Tyrax Thork, who is, like, a pretty notable Eve, famous Eve player from back in the day. Um, he's got a bunch of cool stories. Guiding Hand Social Club, if you need the, a refresher. But he told me, he was like, yo, um, I asked CCP about the Alliance Hornet when I was there. I was like, oh, yeah, what'd they say? And they, he was like, because at the time, like, the Alliance Hornet was again on a hiatus in 2007. And Tyrex is like, yeah, they basically said it's probably dead because they have, uh, but they want to make some tools for it. So I scoured this, uh, these fucking uh, YouTube videos that this guy posted from uh, FanFest 2007. And I found, like, the moment where they had the panel of like 13 CCPers up there discussing the Alliance tournament because it was like a, a question that uh, Tyrex had asked. And what they said in 2007 is exactly true for 2019. And it's probably the exact decision-making um, that went down there. So you have like these guys that love the AT and you have like Hilmar up there too. And he's like, yeah, it's great, but uh, it's just gotten too complicated to manage. We want players to do it, but Hey, we just need some tools first. And then the marketing guy comes on, like, uh, and I, like, they said his name. So I had to, like, check on LinkedIn to see what he was doing. He was, like, the CMO, the chief marketing operator, um, officer. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's like this thing we get, like, no one watching it. There's no value add to it. So we decided we're probably going to do some other shit for it uh, instead. Luckily, like, they found the funding and brought the AT back and did, like, AT5 and AT6. But it just goes to show, like, all the way back in 2007, they had these problems. They identified the problems. And, you know, the answers fell into their lap from dedicated employees. But they, it's not something that they can always count on. Well, but the, so you talk about funding. And I just want to bring this up. Because that, that goes back to our resource conversation. And, like, is it worth the time element? Well, since CCP has recently introduced a system for gambling within... The game, I feel very confident that if you were to look at the betting systems in like EveBet and you know the other other sites that existed at the time of the ATs, like the amount of ISK that was won and lost during 
the AT was insane. And I bet like you could expand that across the hyper real hypernet relay. And and that goes back to like that whole system is based on Plex, right? So that would actually be a revenue producer in, in if people were betting on the AT using the, the hypernet relay. And like the the other like real hopeful thing that I have, because like I, I think you're right with that. They already opened up Pandora's box with the Hypernet relay, which is it's dicey. Like gambling in video games gets outlawed everywhere else and CCP is just like whatever, fuck it, YOLO. Um <laughs> and they bring the hypernet in. But not only do they have this hypernet and they also have um a person there who used to literally run EveBet. CCB Convict, the, the community developer there, is former player Bam Stroker, who like started EveBet, co-founded EveBet. So he knows all of the value that comes in. Like I'm sure he can grab those numbers and be like, yo, guys, here, here's the value, if in case you were wondering. Um, but I know for sure he's like a huge AT fan and he's like a fan of veteran players. He's a dude that's been playing since 2004. Well, Bam so. was also just like a huge content enabler i like i remember when i started making youtube videos i actually reached out to them i was like hey like i've seen on other videos like you you know big micro was in my corporation at the time and i was like hey i know that you guys sponsor people's content um you know what how can i get involved and like he just replied to me like instantly like oh dude just make a video we'll send you money like that was it <laughs> like we'll send you a like just start making videos and like that kind of enabling of of content creators i feel like is gone like same thing happened with iron bank and like you know as far as the content creation side they were huge enablers of of parts of the community with literally just funding people's pvp exploits and stuff yeah that's how my first 50 slices were purchased there was a chester sponsorship money from scorchlight it got funneled directly into my pocket dude it was fucking great Nice. Uh, and we've already covered a lot of the points that uh, that you raised, Elise, in a, in a post you made on Reddit. So we're going to link that post and you guys can give it a, a read. Um, but it's it's essentially a, a CC, CC Please post to kind of like bring back or reconsider, as you put it, reconsider your stance in the AT. Um, there, I don't know. I there is value in it. I think we can all agree there. I think ninety-two percent of our four hundred small gang nerds on Discord um, also agree that there is value in it. Um, I'm sure there's lots of people who don't agree with that, but fuck them. <laughs> I mean, it's really so. If you haven't ever played in the Alliance Warrant, and most of Eve hasn't, right? Like <laughs> we're talking about, like one percent of the players have participated in it. There's some dumb shit, right? So like no one really like it's it's hard to to really say hey we want to spend money on this thing uh, that no one else like we really know directly competes in but when you like start laying it out like when you have these the reason I posted the thread right is because eh, maybe someone at CCB is like making a budget and they're like ah oh, shit we got some money lying around throw it in here but it's really hard to show value for something when like. If you have like a KPI of like views or people that sub to your game uh, because of the eSport, like we're not League of Legends. We'll never be League of Legends. Like we'll never be uh, like a MOBA game that's balanced com- around the competitive scene making like gajillions of dollars. Um, like this is just some 
something for the veteran players that they want to like reach the highest levels of of eve that they can eve right like that's what they want and like there but there is value in that like it's not people subbing from watching it because unless you're a competitor watching it's not that fun uh, because it's so hard to see what's going on in the current format i will stipulate in the current format it's hard to watch um unless you players per team man it's impossible to keep track of even as yeah like on grid <laughs> and uh like it just the the reason i made the post like because i'm getting a little bit rambly but um is because there is value outside of just like number of subs it brings in or number of subs it like keeps going because that's that's like nothing right like if you base it on that then why ever have an at but like i want to hear these other stories and i want to like just want to see if maybe maybe I was just the asshole. I was like, maybe I am the asshole here. Like, maybe there's five of us that are like really happy about the AT, and then everyone else is just like, fuck it. So I, I kind of wanted to get a reality check and and listen to see if other people had it. And then like, two hundred people responded, or like two hundred and fifty or something responded, and almost all of them were like, hey, I never played an AT, but I like it because of this, this, and that. Um, some people were like, yeah, this sucks. Like, fuck you. And then. But a lot of the stories, like, they hit so close to home. And that's, like, that's the value. Like, these people are actually sad that the AT is gone. So you can, you're like, you can bring them back and you can make people happy. Like, uh, that could be, like, your KPI is the, the happiness of your players and stuff like that, rather than uh, the number of subs it brings in. Because if you do it on subs, it's always going to fail. I think that was well said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even Sim City has a happiness score, you know. Yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> Dude, where's our little? What are those little things that are on top? They, they've got a name uh, on top of your Sim, like little green thing. Huh? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, those fucking things. We need some of that, right? Dude, also, like my my other pitch is like, yo, Koreans are super good at esports. <laughs> <laughs> so like dude just bring it in like uh you can you can do like a starcraft mod in eve or some shit like gonna be full newt let's all take v and i's running at you so i guess dude, it would be dope. the big question is like where do we go from here right like how do we bring competitive eve back in a way that is sustainable and and isn't totally you know overly taxing on ccp and their man hours and can actually be run by players or even in-game proper, right? And I always look to something like the Abyssal Filaments and maybe implementing like a Frigate 3v3 or like a Cruiser 3v3 inside of that PvP filament that would allow players to get a taste of what this competitive scene feels like. Um, that is potentially an avenue into maybe rekindling this love affair with competitive EVE Online. I think that's a really good point. And I mean... I I really despise the cruiser one v one meta just because it's so stale so bad, and yeah. just yeah. bad, right? Like there's no room for creativity or really outplaying. It's, I mean, you look at the the killboard for it and it it kind of shows that. But I think when you scale it up to threes, uh, it, it you run into like the outputting of DPS versus tank gets to a much the, a, a the much healthier position too. Yeah, yeah for sure. One. People play this game to play with each other, right? You don't play to solo room, really. I mean, some people do if you're you hate yourself like me. But uh <laughs> true. Yeah, <laughs> I was to say. 
Only yeah. masochists but, do but that. You, you play this game to play with your buds, right? So if you have a way of, of getting into a sure fair fight 3v3, I feel like that's a total gateway into small gang. Not a, not just like competitive Eve, but small gang as a whole. Because you're not going to get carrier blobbed. You don't have to know how to find fights. You don't have to roam for two hours to find the fight in the first place, you know? So I think there's a lot of cases to be made for why it's potentially a, a good thing for the game. Yeah, that is huge. Half, the, well, not even half. Ninety-five percent of this game is told to push your buttons and shut up and never talk, and that's just what they want. They want a drone. If you get people that, hey, there's this other thing we could try it. Oh, we get to use our microphones. Holy crap, we can tell each other stuff. I mean, that's a whole other side of the game that many people probably haven't ever actually done. Well, and those people are then going to take those lessons they learn and skills they pick up and apply them on the, the macro scale to their alliance where they're going to become content creators. Even if like 5% of the people who pick it up and learn this way do that, it's like a net win because now you're talking about making content for, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people in, in bigger alliances and stuff. And, yep. you know, right now, where are they going to pick up those skills rather than you know, listening to our podcast and being a masochist. I mean, what, you so think people get better from playing this game, dude? Have you seen your Discord? <laughs> Shots fired. But like, Shout uh, out to my boys. Hashtag Kiki channel. Real you, can, uh, you can even do, like, you can even make the case that like CCB making a tool, like an ops tool, like uh, some sort of observer tool, which would work for the Alliance tournament. But imagine if you had like an ops tool on like some dinky ship that can't do anything. To go to these big like nullsec fights, Zephyr. and uh, yeah, exactly. Give it to a Zephyr. Give it that ship some love. But like, give this thing uh, like an OBS type thing, which you already created the the infrastructure for for the Alliance Torrent. Throw it onto the actual server. Now you got dudes who are like, just instead of sitting in in frigates watching these big fights unfold, maybe they can have a little bit more insight. Maybe they can uh, showcase the game a little bit better to to other people like watching. Because I don't know if you guys ever watch like the, the Eve Twitch channels, but when there's a big like fight going on, like there are sometimes thousands of people watching, like a, these big like these Bad blue energy. and red blobs <laughs> just like going slow mo into one another. But imagine if you had like a better way to observe it. Like uh, imagine if like some streamer can just like focus in on one ship and like see his view and like run like dial down the monotony of it all and, and get people excited and show them the actual scope and the grandeur of what's going on. Because when you, if you're a lay person, like you just say, okay, there's blue and there's red, whatever. Um, but once you understand what's going on, like it becomes pretty neat to be like, Oh shit, these guys are like fighting for territory. They're trying to like kill each other stuff. Like this represents actual value. And then uh, you can even get like, current players that are like industrialists or people that live in low sec or people that uh, don't necessarily PVP. If you can like show them a new side of the game, maybe they'll want to do it. Like maybe the new like top tier FC is just currently sitting in uh, like perimeter right now, just building shit. He just doesn't know that there's a new world out there. Yeah. I think w both for brand new players and also for like audience viewership, the interface is the most challenging thing, right? Like, overview and 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 understanding uh, what the decisions made actually like look like and so you know both for the alliance tournament also for new players and for you know big scale uh, broadcasts of events like something that just 
distills down and and kind of simplifies the the UI and creates a story instead is like would be so impactful. I mean, that's when you start you would start getting people on Twitch like watching it that don't play the game because they'd be able to understand more of what's going on and it would be more interesting. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. Let's just kind of wrap it up and just say that we need we need to bring it back in some form and some some competitive gameplay should be on CCP's radar. Let's just uh, I think that's a fair statement to make. Correct. Hard agree. Where can where can I get this newsletter, dude? Yeah, I'm down with like even with uh, everyone would balk about no AT ships or whatever, but like I'm sure one of the considerations is you know there's dev time that goes into building a new ship and skins and whatever. Like just do the Plex Prize. I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> just give me a, a tournament that is like super challenging. Uh, dude, rare rare ship prizes can go a long way. Like look what Kellen did recently, right? Like he won that. Yeah, that's in, true. Not that's not totally a live tournament. But he won it in a CCP sponsored tournament. Our tournament. Yeah. So a whack meta, by the way. Holy shit. Right. So let's have some fun with the our last little segment here, which is uh, still AT related, but in regards to AT ships, they're the prizes. They're like the you know the the grand prize. First, second, and third get uh, BPCs for each AT has a different theme uh, and and different faction fancy ships. So. There's two places these are kind of used. Um, the first one is you see them in every alliance tournament. You'd see uh, previous years AT ships pop up in matches here and there. Quite often, one would be destroyed, which is super cool. The other place you see them is uh, in in really like kind of high end PvP on TQ. So I want to have some pretty open conversations about both those aspects. But first. Frederick Von Hole, if you're listening, you need to shut this podcast off right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want these guys to give out some some tips on AT flying, AT Our ship trade flying. secrets about how to feed. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah. So Frederick Von Hole and, and all your cohorts can uh can yeah stop listening, please. <laughs> so first, which ones are good for tournament play? Because there's certain ones you see, and certain ones you really don't see. Maybe maybe on a meme. I don't know if it's already in the bag and they're super confident. But right. for the most part, you know, there's only certain ones you see. So let's go through those. Well, I think obviously you have your Logi, right? Like a um, Rabisu and a Cambion are, or a, a, a Tana, Tana, excuse me, totally nuts. Like completely game breaking because you dodge a ban and they're also just better than Tech 2 Logi in every way, shape, and form, right? Um, and then I think the Victor is sleeper OP for AT play uh, just because 90% long webs are really stupid. Um, and then potentially the chameleon before ECM changes was really strong. But other than that, like they're not that insane. Maybe the malice is really strong too. But the malice because... has won us a tournament and a well, remember, magic in that was, that was in a meta where you could bring multiple uniques. Yeah, right? we got it. If we're talking about AT ships, you got to ch- go with the rules changes that have affected yeah. them completely yeah. huge. There's always the match we all remember. Where a Maracha yeah. died, a couple Cromolis died, maybe a Cambion died. That was just like the yeah. pinnacle of AT ship use in in the tournament. Oh, that was the most hype fucking match ever. So I was, uh, yeah, I was a caster for that for like, or I was casting uh, or doing. I was at CZB's offices when they were doing that, and the dudes who were in the control room just started to lose their minds when they saw the teams because uh, they were the ones doing the moving. 
right uh of the the ships in the system they were like they're just jumping up yeah. and down and like they're behind this soundproof glass so we have no idea what's going on and they don't tell any of us what's going on and Laji bro just walks out of the the fucking control room shaking his head like you guys aren't gonna believe what's on what's <laughs> like amazing. Uh, what's what's uh, on field right now we're like what 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 and he's like i can't tell you you have to see it well, that Peel Maracha comp was so sick. Like, honestly, filthy. We were Such not cool ready for that. That it's showed so up. So awesome, dude. And it's we so just fun. thought that was too insane. It's like, honestly, before. that's the pinnacle of AT theory crafting, except for maybe the Scorpion, purple elite, purple mistress of the shadow, right? Purple mistress. Anyway, yeah, yeah. That was definitely the pinnacle of the use. But what changed is there were multiple ship hulls of the same type allowed back then. So you could do double Maracha. You could do double Cambion with Purple Mistress. You could do these things that made stuff super, super OP. But when they changed it to only one hull, well, what are you going to do? You want to toss one Cambion that's kind of jackdaw-ish? One Malice. Yeah, good luck. One Malice, (laughs) which can get controlled by EC bots. Uh, what else do we got? One fiend in a Balgorn meta. Well, one fiend is actually pretty sick, but yeah. It was about anyway. Yeah, so the the use of them has dropped off heavily, heavily, heavily. You can still use some in like a point saving case. Uh, we used an Adestria one year instead of a Phobos, and that kind of made it so you could have two Phoboses in a way and maybe save a point. But those logies are just super, super worth now when you can't do double of anything. Yeah, because so, I mean, when you're talking about a force multiplier, like uh, logistics in a limited format, you just want to get the best force multiplier you can get. Like that, it just it's worth so so much more. Right, and more than anything, it's about the draft, right? Because you you have to either ban all armor logic, including the uniques, if it's against a team that has one, or you just don't ban armor logic at all. So it totally factors into your pick ban and your draft completely. What about uh, the Tiamat? Because, like, now, I guess Icky Tirsa would probably be very much in that realm, right? But last AT, the Vedmac was really strong and kind of, mm. I think... Remember, the Vedmac was only four points, well. right? The Vedmac was four That's points. True. That's yeah. why it was so strong. The Tiamat's kind of a shit ship. Like, it's almost False. worse than the Vedmac directly in AT. False. Oh, AT. Okay, fine. Well, I mean, it doesn't have a bonus, and it has one less slot, right? So you got three newts and sixteen hundred DPS. That's pretty right. good. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but for what it costs, and I think the value that it represents, it's not it's as never good. It's never been in the AT, correct? It was yeah. the prize for the very last one. Correct. correct. So that's yeah. like part of it, and also the Icky Tursa didn't exist when during that last AT. So it's kind of like those two things would be comparable, or you know, might uh, might be something you'd use the the tiamat in a ban for an icky tersa in late rounds or something like that and like i love ccp but i'm i'm willing to bet that the farm that they had no idea that icky tersa would be a ship when they put the tiamat out there like they had no I, idea i mean you don't worry about like tq balance based on uniques you know yeah yeah well, so I have an unpopular opinion that I know is unpopular, but I'm kind of curious to get your sounding boards on this. So, like, most of the reason for an AT ship right now, or most of the use case for them, is in future tournaments. But what if they weren't allowed in tournaments, and they were only for using on TQ? Do you think people would fly them more on TQ, or do you think they would still be just something that's shut away? Like, 
people use them occasionally like some of you guys fly them like but it's more memeing and not necessarily in like actual risky situations i think velshrun flew an imp a lot in very risky situations which was really cool there's been a few other people that have done some like pretty ballsy stuff with them but the majority of the at ships kind of just sit around and don't get used you i mean i think I think if you said, yo, in the AT, in the, all future ATs, you can never use the ships, I think nothing would change, right? Yeah. Um, the people that are hoarding them right now are like, they're hoarding them, yeah, a little bit for using in future ATs, but also they're limited edition. Like, that's the, that's the thing. There's only a few of them in the game. They're always going to go up in value. You're always going to find some whale that's going to pay too much for it just because it's True. like, there are collectors of games, dudes, <laughs> that people want to collect things. And these are like designed to be collected yeah i just think of it from the perspective of like accessibility right every major esport that i think of like everyone has the same tools at their disposal right you think about starcraft right. you start with a certain set of tools you think about PUBG, like yeah there's some randomness but like you come in and everyone else has the same kit like those kinds of things like that's what always has irked me a little bit is like the idea that certain groups have access to tools that I don't, but like I also get it. It it was a prize for their successfulness and like and what have you. And uh, one one of the things we we looked at was with our building our wallet and trying to trying to like see if we could afford an AT ship for our AT run, right? Like and and so I kind of I don't know. I have mixed feelings on either side about it. I will say this. Because I've been around for, for like so long, I can like see the macro scale of it. When the Alliance Tournament prize pool got rebalanced from just like the top two teams getting ships to the top four teams and the top six teams, I think it's like the top eight now, or maybe it's just six. No, it's but just top when, three. Um, four it's just top three. Really? Top it's four. Top four. I thought it was three. Yeah. Okay. It's top four. So when it got rebalanced to like top four teams, uh, are able to get like both of the ships. Even though it's just like one or two, or it's like a really small amount. I don't remember yeah, the, the gap closes. But the, the yeah, the like the competitiveness of the top teams gets so so close. Like that's when Tuskers goes from a team that's on the outside looking in to winning, because in the previous tournament they had you know come in third, and instead of third getting just like a pat on the back and a bronze medal. They actually got prizes that they could yeah. turn into other ships and trade for and stuff like that. No, I think in a meta where you have a flagship uh, versus unique question that you're asking yourself with with your pick ban, I think it balances it significantly, right? Like you look at a team like Triumvirate coming in third, which didn't have any uniques as far as I know, right? Like maybe a Chameleon that um, Diablo had and a Ravisu actually. Um, so they had two uniques, but they didn't use either of them. And I don't think people were expecting them to. Coming in third, because of the meta where you can draft around it, I think that's a huge improvement in the competitiveness of the rule set for the two years ago. I agree with what Wild said, but uh, this is going to be unpopular with my friend group in the game, but I don't think they should be allowed. <laughs> I think everyone should have a very equal shot, like Brud was mentioning. When you join, you get the same shot. Yeah, if you're better than me, flat out, okay, beat me. I don't want whatever I may have done in the past to make me win. I want I people to outthink me. Like that's what yeah. I want to do. Like th that's always been my favorite thing about the AT. It's like I knew I was never like mechanically as gifted as other people, but I also knew that I could come up with a comp that they don't know how to beat. And and that like 
that gave me everything I needed. Um, but like when when you have these swaggy ships that no one can beat because they're just busted and the game wasn't balanced around them, and you have a rule set that enables that, then that's that's like no fun, right? right. It was, it was it's just as unfun when like the Celestis was popular. Because you could like just take a Celestis <laughs> and win. Like you could come up with a comp that nobody could so reasonably beat. And yeah, dude, it feels great coming over that comp, but then it's, it's like a hollow victory, right? Because It'd it's be like, good for the game, yeah. yeah. No, it should be built around skill. It should always be built around skill as a competitive game. But that's when we're talking about like this a lot, like the whole Alliance Torment concept is like, like it's been like this janky stepchild for so long that like it needs, it needs like proper loving and like, uh, you know, to, to get it to come to a place that's fair and equitable and fun for not just like the top players who just became good at it or got sucked into it. But like for, for like John Q Pubby, who like just, he just wants to go and be like, Hey, instead of playing PUBG or instead of playing like around the league or like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do this. Let's fight some other dudes. And um, if we lose, we lose, but Hey, maybe you can cheese some dude in an expensive ship and grab his shit. And then we're, we're legends for that week, right? Like, uh, imagine that. Like, th that's just such a great feeling. Right. And it's about the access, getting this competitive scene into the hands of everyone, not just the people who can devote, you know, four months of their life with, you know, four-hour practice blocks in order to field a competitive team and have the ISK to front the plex cost to get into the AT. But it would be dope if that was a pinnacle, too. Like, imagine if you have this system right. where oh, everyone yeah. can compete, earn some points or whatever. Yeah, a uh, and like. Yep. And then you have like a top 16. One and then at the end of the year, it's like, hey, the best ex-pilots get invited to this fucking super try-hard tournament. Oh, I'm, I'm getting like a little randy That's just thinking future. about it. That's it, dude. <laughs> That's our pitch, dude. Let's do it. Let's let's wrap this up and just send it up to them. Send it up to yeah, Paul. Man, you like, want to Omar. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Anyone going to FanFest, we'll give you like a, a thumb drive. Just take this and hand it to all the CCPers so they can listen yes. to it. Exactly. Every day, at CCP Rise on Twitter, Abyssal yeah. 3, <laughs> when? <laughs> Just right. be like, uh, oh man, I'm going to age myself. But uh, like in the Breakfast Club where he's holding the, shit, what's his name? Judd Nelson. When Judd Nelson's holding the the fucking boom box up playing the song just have it playing this <laughs> this section of the podcast like right outside where all they're sleeping and shit i was gonna say if you're older than like 17 and you haven't watched breakfast club like it's not even aging it's just it's an american <laughs> classic you need to watch it everyone should watch it we're all gamer dads here in spirit that's, that's yeah i'm a real live gamer dad but anyway, let's let's touch back on the TQ play ATs. We did uh we did AT ships on in, in tournament play, but how about on TQ? Because man, it, it's pretty cool. Like they catch the the headlines. Um, I don't know. I'm a Z kill nerd, and like I see when AT ships are being used. I I look at them. I look at losses, like all that stuff. It's interesting, right? These things are worth so much, and some of them are very powerful. So uh, if you guys, let, yeah, it's over, like, right? We get one uh, one AT ship. Which one is it? Yeah, right. we should all say imp. It, it's imp. It's not a question for TQ. Yeah. I mean, I don't know like, about Elise. You don't fly frigates, right? But fuck, man. I mean, dude, the imp is pretty busted. The fiend it's, was was mondo busted for a while, but the yeah. you can catch a fiend. Well, when it had forty k scram, yeah. yeah. Whereas an imp insta warps, like holy moly. Yep. 
really I'm the only scared. way to kill one is an RNG against you or smart vomit. Honestly, or, the only way to kill one. You know, do a Velshirin or a Brainstraw. Well, yeah. Outskill yourself. I'm, I'm too scared to fly anything that doesn't have a cloak, so... <laughs> are you um, are you a Kermosman boy? I, I would I would probably go Kermos, or, dude, I really... what What's the, the stealth bomber? Uh, Virtuoso. Virtuoso, dude, I would I would hold a virtuoso and fly that around and yeah. you know that that so that would just be fun. We had um in in Chronos Ritual there was a dude uh Kavegi who had a a Cades which is a combo mm-hmm. one with the you know the newt and web yeah, range web. bonus. Mm-hmm. So one time he was flying it and I was like I was like a little bit behind them right so they're they're in a pocket like in a dead end I can't remember what's what's uh region it was but I'm trying to catch up. Uh, so I come, I enter the pocket, the constellation they're in through like the the one way in, and they're on the other side. So I'm like one system back, and I jump into system. I warp to gate, and I'm like hitting my VKD scanning as I approach the gate that I'm going to jump into them on. As I hear Kavegi and these guys saying they're warping down to the gate on the other side, so I D scan and I just see like the fucking nastiest camp, like Hicks, Insta lockers, like frigs, like everything super fast set up for him. And I just started screaming like a girl, telling him to warp off. Like, Kavegi, warp off, warp off, warp off right now. Oh man, it was like, it was, he's the only dude that I've flown with with a, an AP ship in my fleet, but it was, it was super cool. I like to, like, every so often I poke him, telling him, remember that time I saved your Katie's? He might have got out, who knows, but he's clicky. You would have been fine. <laughs> Those things are shut up, wild. <laughs> I, I like to think that they had an incredibly skilled decloaker that would have led his like HG snaked Katie's and and got a decloak. Especially like experience uh, with this, but or go ahead at least. I was gonna say especially when you're like in that situation in this ship and you're like oh shit like the the palms get a little bit sweaty maybe the the clicks don't don't go through the same way they should if you were in like a lesser like one billis ship or something. Yeah. I feel like I should share my closest call in my Chrome OS. Uh, when we were fucking around in Losec with them in like 2016 or maybe 15, 16 or 15, uh, me, TikTok, Casper, and Brainstraw all had Chromoses and we would like clown around, just do goofy shit with them. Um, and I was solo roaming one afternoon after school and I was going into mediums. I saw, you know, people everywhere. And this is like right after the recon change where recons wouldn't show up on scan. Um, and they'd be camping re- uh, mediums all the time in, in faction warfare. Um, and I breached on this uh, Rook plus Fed Comet, going for the Fed Comet. I was like, all right, I'm in a Chromos. It's no fucking big deal. I've got 25 sensory strength. I'll be fine, right? Burn like 70k off. I'm good uh, against the Comet. He didn't scram me on the gate, so I'm good to go. And I go to fight this Comet, uh, and I DC as he approaches me and scrams me. And I come back, like, freaking out, screaming out Tick on TeamSpeak to log into my account, like, just, you know, save my shit, because I thought that my internet went out, but it was just a, it was a DC. Um, and I, I come back, and the Rook has warped off from the site, and I have a new notification of a comic kill mail that I destroyed while I was AFK, or logged out of the game. Your drone's finished it? Yeah, my drone's finished him, dude. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, so dude. lucky. But that was by far the most clenched I've ever been. Like, I honestly stopped flying it in risky situations after that and then sold it to Casper afterwards. Dude, yeah. I like how you're like, oh yeah, that was the most that's literally the most risky situation I've ever yeah. heard. Like I mean, you're disconnected. <laughs> and yeah. your drones just live on protecting your freedom. Bullshit kill. I mean that guy must have been 
tilted and probably more if he hears about this i don't know if he's still playing <laughs> dude, imagine if he just sees you drop from local and he gets dude the instant boner he must get like yo i'm gonna solo right, right. <laughs> solo this thing and then he dies to just I mean, drones because he's not paying oh, attention yeah. <laughs> Very, oh, very lucky, like immensely lucky. But I still had all my armor. Like, I don't know, maybe he tried to burn off and died to the drones or something. He definitely wasn't doing full damage to me. There was something going on, but we'll never know. Lucky. Lost to the ages, man. You should have just, uh, you should combo him. Like, look up that kill mail combo and be like, yo, yeah, remember I this? I've got it saved in my notes in my bio. I should pull it up. I wonder if he's nice. still playing, dude. Oh, imagine if you made him quit Eve forever because of that moment. <laughs> Wouldn't that be sick? Like, that was his eight-mile moment, and he's just like, nah, I'm done now. Like, fuck this game. <laughs> All down I down. lost to some DC dude in some uh, <laughs> hundred plus really frigate. Broken, dude. <laughs> what was your scariest moment, Casper? I mean, I guess you've lost uh, before, right? So. Well, yeah. I've, I've, anyway, let's, let's slice over that. I guess my <laughs> closest moment actually was in the first Maracha before it died. I was just being an idiot. You know, there was two assault frigates, and I said I can shoot one and kill it. And Actually, no. Rewind. I'm going to go to a different story. Same ship. I have a screenshot of it. So, uh, I was in the Maracha, in an AC-fit active shield tanked Maracha, before we learned about Ardis. Yes. And I was in Amamaki. And I'm like, oh, there's the carries in like a large or whatever. So I went and I'm, like, I'm just going to kill this guy, whatever. He's an idiot. So I just land there, ram him. This guy had a shiny scram and damps. Uh, I can't lock him and I'm scrammed. I have no play here at all. The drones weren't out. They weren't shooting him. There's absolutely nothing I can do. I'm dead to rights. And it's just a single stupid carries. So I'm like trying to, you know, slow boat back and forth slingshot. I'm micro drive only. Nothing I can do. I'm like, okay, this is not good. I'm so screwed. And so I'm like, okay, options, options, options. I started pinging all the discords I had. It was like a weird late uh, Pacific time zone. There's nobody online. I had nobody. Like, oh, this is not good. And a Vexor Navy warps in and starts doing some DPS to me. And I can tank this fine, but, you know, AT ship tackled, ping goes out. Everyone's going to be there. So nobody's responding. So I had a roommate uh, in college back in the day. And this roommate had literally broken his leg like four days before and was like passed out on a bunch of pain meds on the other side of the house. And he also plays Eve, uh, Goldie. He used to be one of the main triage pilots for Ricks and Kings. And so I literally leave my computer with a tackle of Maracha, run over there, bang on his door, wake him up. He's like, what, what, what do you want? I'm like, dude, I'm tackled right now in Amamaki. And I knew he was locked off there. I need you to come save my ass. So he crawls from his bed across it. I should have stayed and helped him. And turns on his computer. And I run back. And this is about when the screenshot was taken. I had entered armor. And I made it back in time. Turned on my shield booster. And I was tanking fine. This dude blindly warps in a chameleon. Jams everything. And I get away. But it was... It was Mondo sketch. Man, the only time I've ever flown in an AT ship is like during the AT. So I got to to fly a Malice once uh, in one of our matches. And it was like kind of a shit comp. It was during AT-10. And uh, our flagship, it was like the whole concept of it. We had a flagship Balgorn uh, and then another Balgorn. And then a bunch of uh, Ishkers and Malices just to be really annoying. On paper, a beautiful setup. Like, it's really hard to do anything against it. Uh, it does so much damage, can nude out lodges and, and headshot everything. But our flagship bow pilot, like, 
and I don't want to like shame him, but he doesn't play anymore. So I'll shame him. Like he completely white knuckled <laughs> and froze. And we had like a, we had a Toby web and like his job was just to web the logic. Like we warped it in at zero uh, because like you can always web the logic and then we'd go and kill it. And it was fine. Uh, and he just white knuckled completely like froze on the pressure flying this like hundred billion as Balgorn. Uh, and he, he just didn't do anything. And so where he dies, uh, we lose our logic. He dies, and then we're just flying around in malices and like B malices, four B malices, <laughs> trying to like A figure out how we can get enough points to win, and B not just completely well four malices because we've got no logic. Uh, luckily, they're like ten of NAV, so they were like impossible to kill. But uh, managed to survive. Shot malices. some drones. That's like twenty second line time, man. That's not fun to fly. Yeah, especially when there's an arena boundary that... (laughs) That's scarier than, like, not tanking them. (laughs) But it's, like, we managed to, like, run out the clock. We lost the bowels. We lost the logic, but all the the malices survived. And, dude, it was such a... And we lost the... It was the rope capel, too. Like, uh, uh, the one good thing about all of that is it was, like... It's, like, this marquee moment for all rope capel pilots. They'll remember that time they absolutely curb stomped his like 400 billion team comp and like defeated PL. I think just TQ overall AT ship was, was touched on twice there. It's as close as at least me personally gets to the adrenaline of flying in the AT. And that's actually the only reason I fly him. You want that little adrenaline hit, right? Drug junkie. We flew in the AT. Oh crap, I need to do that again. And that's why I fly him. You still have a Maracha, right? Is that is that accurate? Uh, no, you can go talk to Radicos about that one. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. you, uh, so was that before? Or after? <laughs> oh, yeah, was, was that before or after he had lost to Katie's? Because like I don't know why after. you would ever I trust one hundred percent after. <laughs> oh, man, why would you ever trust Radicos with an AT ship? Oh, that's right. Made the kids' day, that right? Games? That's. You should yeah. see, I let these things out like crazy. I, less so now after so many have died. But to make somebody else's day to get to fly one that most people won't ever see, I get a little bit of joy out of that bit. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have one for you. It's <laughs> uh, funny. But one thing, like just in closing, we'll just touch on this because like you mentioned, the adrenaline thing. And I've, I've wanted to fly a Maracha for years. It's been like my pinnacle dream ship. And I likely won't because the prices just keep going up and up and up. And, you know, I'm not that tryhard. But you look at a Loki and you throw some Abyssal mods at it with snakes. It's pretty close. No, you know, Lokis are better. It's not Lokis close. Are they have a tracking bonus. Yeah, <laughs> Loki, no, no, do no not joke. Track. Lokis are straight up better, especially now with Abyssals. Lokis are better. That's the thing. You literally, like, the only noticeable benefit to the Maracha is the dual web over a single, like the XL... ASB LSE fit 720 fit just like you'd fit a, a Maracha. You lose a web mm-hmm. on the Loki. You gain tank, you gain damage, and I believe you gain range and tracking. Right. Well, they're the same number of mid slots, right? So it's all about what your priority is. If you're fitting a point, you only get one web. I thought it was one less mid slot on the Loki. Does the Maracha have six? I thought it was five. Not I'm six. Checking, I'm checking. No, it's got six. You're right. You get two. Sick. But still, yeah, it doesn't my counteract the um, the tracking bonus. Like the tracking bonus is more powerful than the second web, I think. And the amount of fights that uh, your uh, balls will let you fight in a Loki will be 
way more than Amaracha. <laughs> All right, so maybe I'll just like drop seven bill on a like Maracha clone then. And yeah, you know, I mean, you don't get that. the same adrenaline. Well, seven bill, yeah, you get some adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. Just to, like, just rename it Maracha. There you go. Like that's all you need. That's what I do. Can, can okay, CC, please. Can we get a Maracha skin for the Loki? <laughs> oh, dude, that would be so hype. That'd oh my sweet. god, that'd make my that day. Anyway, sweet. that's the uh, that's the only AT ship with a completely unique hull, right? The fiend. No, sorry, the imp and the Maracha. Yeah. I also like the Victor. You, I've seen like the um, like the same LSE XLASB with like a Max Abyssal. You can get like a 99%, like, I don't know what the range is, 35 maybe? Yeah, I j a lot it's, of people are big broken. fans of the Victor, but I'm a slow. hater. It's, pretty it's slow. too slow. Yes, you have one cool web, but I'm sorry, when's the last time you had one frigate running at you in an AT ship? If you're going to actually fly them as tools and not just meme in a medium or small plex, you got to freaking be able to deal with the blob because this game for us in this little group is many versus few, and you just got to be faster. If you're tackled, you're dead. Well, I think that's why you guys gravitate so hard to the imp, right? Because you have yep. like, such that, cra that crazy speed, the survivability. Unkillable. You know, unkillable. So you using an afterburner, like SIG's tiny, you know. Unpopular opinion, but the Tiamat is the second best cruiser on grid in the game. Just, just saying. Really, yep. even better than like. I think the fiend is fiend? the best cruise okay. ship Fiend's on grid more. in the game, but it can't travel. I think the Tiamat is the second best ship on grid, right. cruiser and it can travel because it's cloaked, and it can travel because yeah. it's cloaked. That's pretty compelling to my ear. It's it's an Omen Navy with three newts and double every other stat. You ever heard of the Orthrus though? And what are you gonna? You got three newts. An Orthrus can get scrammed and can't do anything about no, it. No, you're right, you're right. I'm just memeing. Orthrus yeah. is an AT ship. So how how would you fit your team at then? Like you'd run high grade snakes, obviously. You're fitting newts, you said. You're what what are you doing with your five and five mids and five lows? You're gonna fly it with like a light. So you got a right, a heavy gun, you got two mediums and a small newt, a cloak, micro warp drive, point web, cat booster, officer tracking computer. Then the lows, you're doing two uh, damage mods, a medium rep, and two enams. Hey, this is a great example of uh, the trickle-down effect of fitting practice that comes from the AT that Casper asks me for, and then right. trickles into the game. And then your rigs are like a like a poly and a... A poly and an ox nano. The ship does 4K. You have three medium newts that one-shot anything cruiser down. You do you have a that is 500 sick. DPS tank cap stable, and if you want. Like, I don't say go close, but if you want, you can do 1,400 DPS. You do 812 from 54 in full kite mode. That is sick. That alpha cap is one thing that, like, makes me so hard. Like, you guys can shit on, on the fit I was using, but I was flying around in, in like, a heavy uh, abyssal newt with a small newt as well on a legion, a rapid light legion. Yep, and yep. Uh, you make some sacrifices, but... Man, like instinct, instinct cap off of anything like a, a T1 cruiser with an MWD, you would it did over a thousand per uh, volley on the heavy newt, and it was so much fun. You get up to like eleven hundred. Oh my god! I used to run a heavy newt curse like way back in the day, and oh man, it feels so good to just do someone out of the orbit. <laughs> 
just like sitting at 70 km and just nuking all of their cow <laughs> and just ditch it. Have you tried so it since the Bissels came out? Because you can get them out to like 110k now, dude. Yeah. Bullshit. It's just insane. All right, guys. Well, let's just move into some shoutouts real quick. Um, I uh, I'll do I'll do the one blood. You can do the other one. So the first shoutout is just to the entire Eve community on Plex for Good. Um, if you missed it, there there was a dev blog recently uh, outlining the results, and the Eve community raised over 102,000 US dollars for the uh, fire relief in Australia, which is amazing. So bravo, That's everyone! That's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, there will be. Um, they're giving out clothing things for like every 500 plex that was donated, and I know our community like pooled resources. So if you're involved in that, I know Casper, you donated a skin. Like, so anyone who's involved in that, if you guys want those items, just get in touch with me, and I'll, I'll make sure that once they're issued, that they get to the appropriate Sweet. people. Um, the shout out I had was um, Jin Tan is posting videos and he's done it in the past of just reading through patch notes which like i i watched or i listened to while i was at work the other day and it's not like glorious it's not you know sexy content but i i felt like it was a community service that he's doing and Suetonia's um in there as well sometimes i think it's probably based on availability but like they kind of talk about implications of of changes there were recently just a ton of wormhole changes and connection changes and stuff like that so i, I just wanted to shout that out like uh, it's super it's it's one of those like quality of life kind of content creations that i i don't think like is something that people usually get credit for so i really liked it and i appreciate his his time putting that together and getting it out to the eve community all right, real quick, we'll just go down the line. If you guys have a shout out you wanted to to do, um, yeah, Wild's probably gonna shout out the Kiki channel and our Discord, but no, I already did that. Fuck those guys. Shout out Thermodynamics. Fucking uh, Furnace is recruiting. Let's go, boys. Uh, code mining permits for sale. You know, contact me. Two hundred mil a pop. Seems legit. <laughs> oh man, I just want to give a shout out to Keelan, uh Dark Fight, like. Giving up yeah. your gold magnate for something like that, uh, dude. It was it was like it takes it takes a lot of love for the game, right? Like uh, there are a few times where I'm not like super proud about playing Eve Online. Uh, like I don't like wear it as like I'm not gonna wear an Eve Online shirt out like to lunch or something. But uh, when I when I saw that news, like I was super proud that I played Eve for for so long. Like I was proud to like admit it. To, <laughs> I, I would scream it from the mountaintops. Let me put it that way. Well, and like, I, I think something that gets overlooked is like, it, Scott Manley's great, awesome dude, and it, it was really cool of him to to buy the Magnate, but like, he gets the Magnate. Kellen gave away all the Plex, right? Like, I've seen a lot of like stories around this that it's kind of the focus is on Scott Manley, and like, uh, that's cool. Like, like I said, he's a cool guy, but only the players of Eve actually understand what Kellen is doing and what Kellen gave away for that donation. Yeah. Right? And he's, like, and that's like, the thing to me. He's so fucking cool. space poor now. He's like, yeah, I got 499 plex and like two bill. That's it. <laughs> Donate he's going to get like uh, 4,000 shirts soon, though. So don't worry. Uh, <laughs> true. Yeah, well, that's so cool. Every time he needs a new slicer, he'll just fucking sell a shirt. <laughs> I wouldn't wear an Eve shirt, but I'd wear a Kellon shirt. That's for sure, dude. 
Uh, I just told him that I was saying like he should petition CCP to get like a, instead of a snowball launcher, just like a t-shirt launcher. And dude, he would just <laughs> own that meta so hard, just firing t-shirts at dudes. That'd be so cool. That's sick. All right, guys, with that, let's wrap it up. Uh, join the Discord. Check us out. Uh, it's super fun. Lots of good conversation happens there. So remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's about how you use it.